3: 65 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Here's Purdy with a lot of time. Steps into one. Watching deep, going for Brandon. Ayuk. it is. Oh, he caught her off the ricochet. Penalty. Is he in?
1: 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important, so is your budget.
3: Third down, four man rush. Purdy in some trouble, escapes, looking for the first down, he's got it anymore. more. Brock Purdy with the legs inside the thirty. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Here's Kansas City from the 19, throwing at the goal line, and it's caught by Kelsey for the touchdown. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Second and eight from the nine. Jackson to Flowers, he dives, the ball came out, it's recovered by Kansas City. Did the ball come out before he broke the plane? 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Second and ten, to the end zone again, and it is intercepted. Intercepted by Dion Bush, who just came in two plays ago for Mike Edwards. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. It is finally here. The uniqueness
4: of the Big 12 with the 16 teams, four incoming teams, two on their way out. The Big 12 football schedule was released right on time, as they said, around 10 o'clock or so this morning. We will break that down a little bit, and over the next three days, actually four days, we will have guests and analysts from all 16 of the Big 12 teams that begin when they all join Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and, of course, Colorado. We're going to break down Baylor's schedule, but we'll also have uh, analysts from Oklahoma State, from Houston, Uh, from BYU, also TCU, and then we'll start back up with others tomorrow and on Thursday and Friday. Craig Smoke and Paul Catalina, I'm David Smoke. Thank you, as always, for your time today. And whenever you give us your time, we're appreciative of it here on 365 Sports. So we're going to put up a screen that's going to look like Chinese because it's, well, it's everywhere. But it just goes to show you, there we are. It's hard to read, I get it. But just to show you... How about lapping this baby up from Arizona all the way down to West Virginia, country roads, and everything else in between. And there are a few particular parts of the schedule. We'll also read some of what you as a fan of any of the Big 12 teams, whoever that might be, your take on what you see, for example, if you're an Iowa State fan. So Utah and BYU, Colorado and Air Force, the first thing I saw when I looked at the Baylor schedule was – my goodness, four consecutive weeks against either the state of Colorado or the state of Utah. The Utah game, of course, is a non-conference game. Arizona has one of those two that's a conference team but not a conference game. But that's what I saw with Baylor. They will have four consecutive games, two home, two away, with Air Force and BYU, Utah, and also playing uh, at Dion Sanders and Colorado in Boulder.
2: Yeah, it's um... – look i don't think anybody it's a pretty balanced schedule i mean the top 5 is going to go into the later on today is going to go into the hardest uh, games i think that are that are on it but um, or the hardest schedules for for individual teams but it's pretty balanced and plus we don't really there's we don't really have concrete evidence of what the big 12 is going to be in its new form because this is this is all new so
5: according and, to utah fans they're going to run through it like swiss cheese based <laughs> on what i've seen so far all right
2: and and, and look maybe they will i mean we'll, we'll see but like everything's going to be different and it's all going to be you know to be seen but yeah it's um it's really really uh, interesting when you look at uh, Jack actually did this uh, a ton of work on this about
4: miles traveled. Here's a, a little. I fun. was glad he did because I was going to ask if anyone had put that up yet. Oh, so, Jack McKenzie did.
2: Yeah. So so um, miles traveled. UCF has to travel the furthest, but they also down the stretch of the season, their opponents that come to visit them. Have to travel like really far all down the stretch, so that's that's kind of an advantage for the night yeah. you know like it's well I mean or it might be we don't know like it's it's not like they're on a train or anything they're they're flying on a very comfortable chartered flight, uh, and they might have to get there a day earlier so i don't, i don't know other than throwing you off your routine a little bit if it's going to make that much of a difference, but we'll see there's all those little factors that you have to involve in it
5: yeah i mean they UCF traveled the most last year, so they have seven home games, and so that's going to help alleviate some of that. And then, as you mentioned, some of the the farther trips actually heading their way, so that's nice. I mean, Orlando or UCF put on some miles getting out of Orlando last year, and they'll have a bit of a you know a break in that this year, and a little bit more of an advantage, maybe, uh, possibly as a result of that. We'll see. But yeah, there's a lot of things to pick apart here. Um, and a lot of things that we just really don't know. You know, it's, it's amazing. I guess the first thing is no Oklahoma, Texas and what that makes the schedule look like. And I gotta say, it makes it look a little less daunting if you don't have either one of those or neither one of those on the schedule. And now everybody has neither one of those. Like last year, if you were Baylor, you played Texas, but you didn't play Oklahoma and some people. Did the opposite, and some people played them both, but to not have them involved in the mix at all, I think that's why you see a lot of people, other than Utah fans who says they're going to run through it, um, that are like, yeah, I don't really know what to expect, because like, you just sort of, I don't know, you kind of looked at those games, and it, you had a feeling you could beat, or were at the level of one or two of those teams, you kind of knew, like, well, we can take care of everybody else, but... There's not that, like, barometer anymore, if that makes sense. Which
4: I think it makes it even more intriguing.
5: Yeah, it does. It just makes it a lot more up in the air and intriguing and just who knows how that will all turn out uh, in the end. But I guess the way that I looked at Baylor's schedule, since we can't just, you know, unveil all 16 and go through them like that, was it's basically three chapters. It's the first leg, it's the second leg, and it's the third leg. You have two bye weeks. Everybody in the country has two bye weeks this year. And so... In
4: the conference, conference, not country.
5: Everybody, in, in, the everybody in the country does. has in 2 bye. bi-weeks. the did not even know that. Yeah. Okay. All right, because good. of the I learned way, something what, today. Labor Day falls. Okay. That's, yeah. Right. Yeah. that's right. Okay. So everybody in the country has 2 bye bi-weeks. And so you look at their schedule here, and that first five, fellas, that's leg one. So this is kind of how I look at the schedule. That's Tarleton. It's at Utah. Air Force, who just bullied you in a bowl game two years ago. There, there were circumstances there, but they did. At Colorado. And then BYU at home. They could be four and one, and you're feeling freaking fantastic, or five and zero, you're feeling great. They could be three and two, and you'd still feel pretty good. They could be under five hundred very yep. easily with Absolutely. that first leg of that yep. schedule. I mean, Utah's definitely not a game you're probably predicting them to win at this point. Air Force and Tarleton, you'd think you'd go with wins there, but then Colorado and BYU, again, who the heck knows? Uh, And then on the road at Iowa State
2: before the bye. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that is also
5: before it as well. i missed that day. So, yeah, that first leg is those six games. I missed Iowa State there, which is also uh, a road game. So you're going to Salt Lake City, Boulder, and Ames in the first six weeks of the season, no breaks, and that is leg number one. So where do they sit After leg number one, they could be three and three and then go either direction you want, but that's going to be very interesting to see where they are kind of sitting in because then you're looking at the second half of the schedule and you're going to know after that first leg, how many games do you need to win to get to a bowl game? You might need five. You might need four. I mean, who knows? And then that second leg, you've got Tech. On the road. In Lubbock, Oklahoma Long State. Won there
4: last time, which is a different? You know, situation probably now. And then
5: got their tails kicked last year. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma State at home and then TCU at home, and they never beat TCU. We know that. Oklahoma State typically bullies them in the regular season. To, at least that's the way that I feel most of the time. I mean, people will point to the Big 12 title game a couple years ago, but that has nothing to do with it right now. And that was also the Big 12 title game. They got whooped in the regular season um, of that same or was it the year prior, they got whooped at the end of the year by Oklahoma State. Yeah, the the, the last – But yeah, they lost the regular season meeting yeah. that following year. They've
4: had some wins against Oklahoma State, but but you, you get – I think I if you look recently – The TCU point is what you need – you're right. TCU yeah. owns Baylor.
5: TCU yeah. owns Baylor. Tech beat them, and in, in Oklahoma State, uh, you know, is, is a problematic one as well. So that's leg number two. That could be 0-3, 3-0. and, 3, 3 and 0. I mean, who the heck knows? And then that third leg, West Virginia and Houston both on the road, and then Kansas at home – so yeah, that's a that's a schedule where I don't really know what to to think of right now, not knowing what we don't know about all these different teams, but particularly them and given how you kind of could go into last year and have some site type of a baseline expectation, well they threw that all out the window. You can't just assume now that they're gonna oh, they'll be they'll get to a bowl game. Not based on this schedule if they don't, you know, play pretty well. So yeah, this is it's going to be interesting, it's going to be fun, and uh, it's going to be challenging. Anyone knows.
4: I don't think anyone knows. because it's.
5: it's well, it's, I think other teams have a good feel that they're sure going to be pretty do, good. But, but. It's,
4: that's the unknown factor. Utah, though, obviously, is one that uh, has a nice run on right now, even despite last year with the disappointment. They have Cam Rising most likely coming back. So, But Air Force did beat up uh, Baylor in that bowl game, and they're usually pretty consistent. Um, and then, of course, Dion. you wonder about what he does year two when they retool their roster like they did, of course, in entering his first year. Do they have the quick start? Do they have the ability to be more consistent? That remains to be seen. So there's Baylor's schedule, and Mac Rhodes will join us today at 420 on that, on Brittany Griner's jersey being retired, on a, a lot of things, and he'll join us at 420 today. So Kansas. Here is Kansas. This is interesting. This is Max Olson from earlier today, they'll play four of their Big 12 home games, Colorado, Houston, Iowa State, TCU, at Arrowhead Stadium where the Chiefs play, and two of their uh, non-conference home games in Lindenwood, uh, against Lindenwood and also UNLV. And that's going to be at Children's Mercy Park, the sporting Uh, at Sporting uh, Kansas City Stadium. So all of their home games are going to be outside of, of course, what they've had because they're renovating the stadium, which is great news for KU at least after this year. But right now they're going to be kind of uh, nomads in a way where we are going to be playing.
2: Um, Yeah, Mike Bean said he was uh, just by the stadium, and I'll be there. I'll take a picture of it for you guys on Saturday uh, when I'm there. And Lawrence said it's pretty much, like, not there right now. So they're redoing the whole thing. Lance Leipold is – um you know helped shoot life into that and part of the thing was this isn't even like a Lance Leipold thing like now they have the juice to do it because Lance Leipold has helped them win but like i think David Beattie was talking about it um when he was the coach he was like hey uh, can you guys uh, throw a coat of paint on this sucker here it's yeah, it's I've getting hard there. to I've it's getting there. hard to recruit to this and then they're like yeah we well, got to win first and he's like well it's difficult to win when people come here and then they go to another place with said fresh coat of paint and other things and we haven't done that, so finally they got it done. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what that stadium's going to look like in Lawrence. And, yeah, it'll be fun. Like Arrowhead sport, playing at Sporting KC,
4: too. So it should be some cool games for, for, for the fans. All right, so there we are with that uh, and the Big 12 schedule. Was there anything else... Because you're right, Craig, about when you mentioned the logos of Texas and OU, because I'm sure if you got to play both of them, you're excited about that. And then again, even with some of them, especially Texas having the 10 years of up and down, you still knew that would be a very difficult game. Um, Mike Bean, Kansas is at Baylor. Last game is goofy. The game has to be Kansas at Kansas State. Uh, that's from Mike Bean, a KU fan. Someone mentioned that Texas Tech has the easiest schedule. Um, Mike Bean said, it can't be any easier than KU. We miss Utah, Arizona, and Oklahoma State. Yep. There you go. And so everybody has their own opinion based on the fan base of who you like. MC Gusto, UCF got a very favorable schedule in terms of travel, opponents, and weather because that's something we don't look at until like November, that weather in late October and also in November. So there's the comment. And Scotty B saying that Arizona State's schedule is brutal. Uh, old Texas Tech man 9th of November versus Colorado November 23rd at Oklahoma State November 30th at West Virginia he listed all the games of Texas Tech you can do that if you want but the bottom line is we would like your reaction as a fan of a certain school of what you actually see Kim Coulter thinks Arizona State my boys will be looking places to hide if Arizona State like I think might go one in 12 I can't imagine that but uh, there we are uh, with that big 12 schedule so i'm just glad it's out thank god it is out well, all right
5: yeah there's a couple of other things i want to get to here and yeah we can't go over every single N- yes we can't, don't every single schedule so if you want to just give your comments then uh that'd be great in the chat room but i noticed one of the big complaints was byu and utah not on rivalry week i saw that you saw that all over twitter i mean and i just don't know what to tell folks i know it's a new big 12 and there's new fans and so you don't quite get how it works but Guys, the Big 12's never had a big rivalry week to end the year. I mean, it's never been like, here's, I mean, Bedlam was at the end of the year, but that wasn't even the case a year ago. Um, and so it's just not really been a traditional thing where all the big rivalries are at the end of the year and in the final week or rivalry week, so to speak. Um, and I think, too, another point that I saw brought up was given the TV deals now, um, if you were to do that, and let's let's do Arizona, Arizona State at the uh, very end. Well, that one is actually going to be there at the very end, Arizona and Arizona State. So you will have that one, for example, but um, you're not going to sit there and throw all your biggest games at the very end, and then one of them's on ESPN Plus because there's not enough room on TV, and that's unfortunately the way that it is now with the contracts is that you know, the SEC and the Big Ten have bought up so much real estate or so much real estate's been bought up of theirs that I think that's probably calculated on the Big 12's part of if you throw all of your biggest games on the same weekend, you run that risk of there's not going to be room or good spots for them, and so you try to spread it out. That's my theory, at least. We can talk to Mac Rhodes well, about that.
4: I saw a Utah fans saying that, too, that they like it at the end of November, but you can't – like shoot your wad the last week of November. Yeah. It's all spread out based on the rivalries well, that are left within the Big Twelve. Well,
2: and just so so people who may not be completely familiar with it, Rivalry Week for the Big Twelve was essentially gutted when A and M Mizzou, Nebraska, and Colorado mm-hmm. left because Nebraska and Colorado at the time were usually playing. The Friday last, afternoon. The, yep. the Friday after Thanksgiving. A and M and Texas would either play on Thanksgiving Day or the day after Thanksgiving. So then it left it with just essentially, in Missouri and Kansas, I don't know when they would play the Border War game, but usually that was was maybe sometime around there. So, like, you took those teams out of it and had to rotate it. The only one that still existed that carried that kind of weight for rivalry week was Bedlam. And so, for... 13 years now, they haven't had rivalry, so it's
4: it's, it's over. Like, yeah, it you had over. Texas and OU, of course, the second week or so, usually in October with the, with the State Fair. But as far as everybody peaking towards one game at the end, that's not going to be the case, and it might revert back to that at some point once they kind of get a feel for everything.
5: You do, though, have Arizona, Arizona State. You'll have Kansas State, Iowa State, so some farmageddon. So it's not entirely not like that. But I get the point of you want that to be like the big main event type game, especially for those two programs, getting to play each other and play within a conference. And so that is going to be a big deal, especially for those fan bases when that time arrives. But, yeah, that was just the biggest complaint I saw – over and over and over again, no matter what tweet I was looking at talking about the schedule. It was inevitably Utah and BYU fans complaining about where that game was placed, Uh, and so that's just a little bit of the explanation there. But that's going to be second week of November in Salt Lake City, and I think that that'll be... Cold and nasty and, and plenty of fun still no matter where it's actually played but or when it's actually played, but that was one of the, the complaints I saw. So there will be an element that final week of a couple of rivalry games, but it's just not going to be the full-blown show like you may see in some other conferences where it's got that sort of feel to it.
4: All right, a couple of other things. We do need to hit everybody on time. Robert Allen at 325, Joseph Duarte, who could also discuss Houston winning in Austin at overtime last night, and then also today Greg Rubel in the first hour on BYU, here are uh, DJ Durkin, who's had a, a little bit of an interesting career. He now is the uh, Auburn defensive coordinator. It's his fourth different time as offense as a defensive coordinator in the SEC. He's been at A and M. He now is with Hugh Freeze at Auburn. Also in uh, college football today, there was a story involving uh, FSU accuses the ACC of self dealing. Apparently, they're claiming that now former ACC commissioner and his son's employer, breaking it down, more details. Matt Baker, we've discussed this before with uh, with Wafford and uh and, Swofford. And, Swofford and what his son is a part of ESPN.
2: No, his son was a part of Raycom.
4: Raycom, okay. So, they yeah, owns the his, ACC network or at one point. Yeah, yeah, so
2: they uh, the second and third tier rights were negotiated pretty much exclusively with Raycom and no one else. And... At the time, like, here's where FSU is running into, uh, is going to run into an interesting wall, in that at the time, no one really seemed to have a problem with it, or if they did, they didn't say anything, and now they are, but the thing about FSU, administratively, they're completely different, so they can look back on this and be like, well, this group would never have agreed to this, but we'll see, It's it's getting catty. Like, between the two of them. And things like this is why we will never see a trial in this case. It will be settled, and it will be kind of boring at the end, and it's just going to be the ACC and Florida State going, what, how big is the check? Because I don't think either one of these sides want
5: the the correspondence or the details of this to come out, because it's not going to make either of them look great. And I'd be all for that, uh, just yeah. to skip to that part, uh, rather than just the mudslinging back and forth of, you're wrong, no, you're wrong. Well, you did this, no, you did this. And so I'm sure... Um, we'll start to hear more and more about the, you know, the end and and how near that could be coming, uh, hopefully here in the near future. Uh, But right now, yeah, it's a lot of mudslinging. And so today was Florida State's turn. And uh, we know what the the deal is here. I mean, they want out and they want out for as cheap as possible. And they're willing to look into every way imaginable to try and get out. And there is a potential domino effect if they do get out, if they get out scot-free, basically. And the grant of rights is... Ruled, um, you know, null and void. Then everybody in the ACC is suddenly able to go look elsewhere if they so choose. It. But we know that not everyone would have an opportunity to go anywhere else. So, yeah, I mean, this is a big story with big ramifications and a big ending. But uh, the timing of that ending is what remains. Uh, a mystery right now so in the meantime we sling mud and we yep. go back and forth and so oh, you're gonna
4: say this we're gonna come back with this yeah, right? yeah. and
5: so uh we know where the, both parties sit and they're in a fight and they've let it be known on the acc side of things that they're gonna fight and we know florida state's been preparing for this for a while now so yeah i don't know who uh you know strikes first in terms of trying to agree to, to an ending here or how that is gonna work but uh, i would imagine that uh, everybody would like to have as quick a resolution as possible rather than this be a thing that you drag out for the next year or two and then everybody's sitting here with bigger legal bills and not happy with where they are. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see the next step taken there.
4: When we come back, we go rapid fire and discuss the reaction from those who cover specific schools. Uh, Oklahoma State, TCU at 4, BYU at about 350, Joseph Duarte on Houston at around 340, And then we do more tomorrow and also on Thursday and get their feedback on what has been the reaction, especially off the top with the schedule being released earlier today, and this is 365 Sports. Stonewood Dental Robinson, Texas, Um, it is a great place to help you if you need to catch up because you have not been taking care of your dental work or if you have been Well, that's a great place to continue to get every six months your teeth cleaned uh, and make sure that there's nothing that shouldn't be or should be there. For example, a cavity or a cracked tooth or something. Uh, Dr. Steve Childress is fantastic. He has helped me in so many ways understand a game plan of instead of trying to do everything at once with my dental work, here's what we're going to do now. This is why, because then we can do this, and we'll watch for this, and then eventually get to that down the road. And I've been through a lot of different uh, procedures and a lot of different work, and it feels great feeling without that. I'm like, oh, my God, it was always something right about the time I felt good. There's a sharp pain. I have gotten so much fixed and also being so much smarter with my dental work. That's what Dr. Steve Childress can do. A great staff from teeth cleaning to something more serious, oral surgery. Dr. Steve Childress, Stonewood Dental in Robinson, Texas.
3: Drive into the new year with confidence and excitement during the Start Something New sales event at Allen Samuels in Waco. Get incredible deals on our entire selection of new Ram trucks, Jeeps, SUVs, Chrysler sedans, or a sporty Dodge. Get more for less guaranteed. More value, more selection, more service, more trade-in allowance, and even more competitive financing. Hurry in and start 2024 with a bang. Shop the greatest selection of inventory in Central Texas at Allen Samuels in Waco. In-store or online at allensamuelsdcj.com and make it a. Unforgettable.
5: Pioneer Steel and Pipe opened their doors in 1943 and they have never wavered with their focus on great product and customer service, relationships with a handshake, making sure you, the customer, is satisfied. Their new facility is now twice the size allowing new inventory, higher quantities, and in a much more organized fashion. In addition to the long lengths of tubing, angles, channels, rods, and flat, Pioneer Steel and Pipe now offers several shorter more convenient lengths of material already cut. Their 2,500 square foot showroom has over 1,000 Products in stock, new welding supplies, hardware, quick creep, and do it yourself components for any project, whether you are a professional contractor or weekend warrior. The new facility is designed to make your loading experience faster and more efficient with easy drive lanes around the building and much more room to get your trailer loaded. Our location may have changed, but our values have it, and our relationship with customers goes much farther than just business. Pioneer Seal and Pipe on Loop 340 and Highway 6 and just east of I 35 in Waco.
6: Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micromarket vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micromarket vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, $6,900. Imperial Drive in Waco or online at automaticchefcanteen.com
0: Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni.
4: Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at goarmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543.
3: This is 365 Sports.
1: The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. Robert Allen, sideline reporter. Oklahoma
4: State Cowboys joined us 365 Sports. Joseph Duarte around the corner. So, Robert, when you have a schedule and there's no Oklahoma or Texas logo... And I know last year there was no Texas logo until they played in the championship game, but there's other ones now that are a part of this. What is the original reaction to this schedule for Mike Gundy and the football team?
8: Well, I think the first reaction is that you're going to start hot in conference play. Um, you better, you know, you better not have the kind of preseason you had a year ago with indecision and. Trying to figure things out, it starts with the first game, and that was already on the book. South Dakota State, the, a two-time FCS champion. It's not like, you know, it's not like you went down and found, you know, the Sisters of the Poor. You're playing the best of the best. Now they've lost a lot of players, which is a good thing, but they still have a good culture. They still have a uh, Walter Payton uh, Award winner back quarterback. So you better be ready to play right out of the gate. But then, Dave, you know, you you start conference play with Utah at home at K-State and then West Virginia coming out the next week. And it's a great setup for Neil Brown because they have their first bye the week before they come to Stillwater. So they'll have two weeks to get ready for Oklahoma State. So arguably Mike Gundy's first three games in conference next year – Utah, at K-State, West Virginia, probably are the three toughest on the schedule. Robert, how do you,
2: I mean, when you look at the whole schedule, just looking at it for everybody, no Texas, no Oklahoma, how does that change the landscape of how you look at the, the ebbs and flows of the season?
8: Well, I, 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 here's what I did, guys, and, and I, I have reservations about telling you this because Baylor's not on the list. But I think you guys are smart enough to figure out why. In fact, I know you know why. I went through and I picked six teams that I think are easily, at this stage, it changes. West Virginia was picked dead last a mm-hmm. year ago. They're in my six right now. And so my top six in the league would be Utah, Arizona, of the newbies, um, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Kansas, and West Virginia. To me, those are the six teams I look at. That you better be you better be ready to play. And so what I did was I went through, and obviously I first looked at what Oklahoma State had with those three, and they only have three, but they're one, two, and three on the schedule. Uh, and then I went through everybody else. The other thing I always look at too, because so many of these coaches, and maybe it's because Mike Gundy's so good at it, there's so good out of off week. I mean, Oklahoma State turned their season around last week with the bye week. They're two and two coming home from Ames. They have the bye week. It's one of the best bye weeks I've ever seen. And they go beat K-State on a Friday night when no one thought they would. And then boom, they launched. So I look at bye week. Oklahoma State's got two opponents that have bye week. Coming into Stillwater, one of them is West Virginia, like I mentioned. The other one is Arizona State, and we saw them non-conference last year. I think I think Coach Dillingham's doing a good job. They should be better this year, and with two weeks to prepare for the trip to Stillwater, you know that that gives them a little bit of an edge in the setup. So those are the things I look at, and just with with my six, I think Colorado. BYU and, um, who was it, Colorado, BYU, and Arizona State have the three most difficult schedules. The easiest schedule by far is Cincinnati. That's that's just the way I grade it now. Now, by the time you play the game next year, Baylor, they may use the portal. They may have the turnaround that an Oklahoma State or a West Virginia has, And now they become one of the six during the middle of the year, but Going into it, you got to rank it off what you see at, at this stage.
5: Robert, uh, last year was all about saying goodbyes to, to Texas and Oklahoma, and, and some hellos as well to the four new, and now some four, four new as well, and, and a bit of a reunion there with Colorado. I know that they played back in 2016 uh, out of conference, uh, Oklahoma State, and and Colorado. Uh, uh, Blowout win for the Cowboys down in San Antonio, but do you have any particular? Is there any memory whatsoever of, of Oklahoma State and Colorado that, that comes to mind from back in the Big Twelve days? No, but ask
8: me after Thanksgiving week, and <laughs> <if> they <laughs> put that game at night, and it's a blowing snowstorm in yeah. Boulder. I'll have one heck of a memory, <laughs> but no, I mean the the yeah, I mean Barry Sanders' year. That's the game he went airborne. It's the famous Sports Illustrated photo. I mean, literally, he was flying. Um, And the sidelines are about as tight as they are in Stillwater. And when they bring Ralphie out, I get my big butt up in the stands. (laughs) Yeah, smart.
2: Oh, you're not – Robert, I think you should take him on. Year one, just take him on one time, see what happens. (laughs)
8: No, I did that in my T V days. I rode bareback Bronk in the International Finals rodeo and uh I, I don't do rough stock anymore guys. I'm I'm retired from that. I just watch Yellowstone.
4: <laughs> and and you should. It replays whatever. It's the best one I've ever seen as far as a series that I can remember. Uh Robert, final thing and and because of the rivalries that are no longer in existence, even Paul mentioned this earlier, Missouri no longer playing Kansas uh, as far as in the conference, Nebraska, Colorado, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, OU, whatever. Uh, There's really not a specific rivalry week, but there really has never been like this is the last weekend of the year everybody plays everybody. And so I know BYU and Utah fans are saying we're playing too early, but they've really never done it that way, have they?
8: No, I mean, because the biggest rivalry – that probably everybody remembers is the two that left. They always played the first Saturday in October. Uh, of course, that goes back to days when they weren't in the same conference together. Mm-hmm. I, I know you guys, geographically, you guys are in a, a more difficult spot with this whole you Texas deal. I'm kind of, I'm okay with it. Uh, I'd love to play Oklahoma, uh, but I'm okay with it. Uh, the other thing that I would throw out there is, we're we're looking for a rival, and honestly, I think it's going to end up being Texas Tech, just because both of us need one. And and uh, apparently, I hear those they don't like as much in Lubbock. Um, you guys have got a great rival. Your rivalry with TCU is awesome. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yep. I love watching that game. So you've still got your arch rival um i think oklahoma state will be looking for one i think it might be texas tech it may be one of the newbies maybe we decide to lock well utah's got theirs. maybe it's us in colorado i can see uh i can see gundy and dion out at midfield getting (laughs) after each other that could be fun
5: yeah, I could. I mean, there's potential galore. I mean, it's a, it's a question I think that, that pretty much everybody has, except for some of those you mentioned, like Farmageddon. You know, there's there's one there, but yeah, with Oklahoma, Texas moving on, that was that was definitely the the one carrying uh, the most weight there. How many college degrees will Alan Bowman have by the time he graduates, Robert?
8: Uh, I can honestly tell you he's got two right now, and probably is going to have a third, Man. Uh, unless. They don't give it to him, and then he'll be lacking a year on a, a Masters. He's got two bachelors right now. Mm.
4: He's racking them up and yeah. still getting to play.
8: And, you, know you know what, though? Yep. And, and Alan will Alan will tell you this. I think he'll be the starter going in. But everybody knows there's a freight train in the quarterback room that's coming on. It's, it's, it's a little bit like probably what K-State had last year with Avery Johnson. But we've got to – and Zane Flores, that man, I watch him in practice just because it's it's fun. I mean, he's got a lot on the ball, and he's also athletic. And he's uh, Bowman's roommate on the road. Allen told me he had an NIL deal with our Pokes report site last year. And said, "Robert, I wish I had this kid's talent." I am telling you, he's going he's going places. So it'll it'll be fun. But I do believe Bowman will be the guy going into the season.
4: Robert, good to hear from you again. Have fun. We'll discuss this, as you know, quite a bit over the next several months and have fun, get back into it with you when it comes to spring drills when Oklahoma State and everybody else starts to practice. Robert Allen, sideline reporter for Oklahoma State with us on 365 Sports. Zane Flores, by the way, is a kid from Nebraska. Well, Gretna, Nebraska, and they committed to Oklahoma State back a, almost a year ago. In fact, almost two years ago. Uh, in uh, April of 2022, and will now be, as you said, already a part of their quarterback room. All right, Joseph Duarte will join us next. Houston winning last night in Austin in basketball. His thoughts about the football schedule. And then also Greg Rubel on BYU and more. And this is 365 Sports the owner of TexasBeefHouse.com, the Duval family, Aaron Duval joins me on 365 Sports. This auction part of your business, which started at the end of the year and I think maybe even caught you off guard how popular it would be despite the fact the product is so great, it has really turned into something that is extra special and the aged Wagyu beef and what you're doing and, and how people just love it. Well,
6: thanks for having me, David. Uh, I tell you, it is surprising how our Customers have really migrated toward this auction, and I think it's because, really, at the end of the day, it's hard to put a price on some things, Putting a price on a stake. I mean, you may disagree on the price, but uh, if I let my customers decide, then there's no disagreement, and everybody feels like they're getting a real-time price that the market, the customer, is setting for the stakes and for the beat, and that really brought a lot of positive feedback in our circle, and uh, we think it's going to be probably Something that's going to catch on in other areas of the country, on ranches. Because it it, it does so many things that are positive at so many levels. One, like I said, it gives the customer, they get to buy how much meat they want, when they want it, and at the price they want. I think that answers a lot of the demand in the market for high-quality premium beef. To have access to that beef.
4: I believe this will be your third one. Did you ever expect this kind of reaction?
6: We did not. And actually, I was probably, honestly, a pessimist at this. I I really didn't know just how auctions uh, would be attended. But actually, everyone's connectivity and being online, it's so easy. It's become easy access to the ranch. And it takes our customer straight to the ranch. The last person to touch their beef is the rancher in the day's market the animals go from the rancher to the buyer to the feedlot to the packer then to a distributor and then to a grocery store or restaurant so so many steps that the beef goes through where different people handle it eat it treat it differently than what your rancher is going to treat it we simplify the equation and take a lot of people out a lot of middlemen out of the equation allow the customer to get their beef straight from the ranch.
4: You go to TexasBeefHouse.com and there's a link right there on the home page. There's a, a graphic up. You can click on it. There's a PDF that's uh, several pages of what you want. People can get a side of beef here. They can get what they want, a large chunk of a tenderloin, or they can cut it the way they want too. Isn't that also something that's a, a little bit unique? We're trying
6: to really figure out what our customers want. So we have as few as five or six steaks and a lot as many as the whole loin. That's just a whole piece of the ribeye, or the whole piece of the New York strip, or the fillet, and you can buy it. It's, you know, you think it'd be a lot, but it's usually the fillets three pounds, five pounds, seven pounds, somewhere in there. It depends on the size of the animal. And the loin for the uh, ribeye could be twenty pounds or thirty pounds. So we allow our customers to try to help us to find what quantity of beef they want in these options. So it's, we're still kind of searching for the right amount of beef to put in each lot, but there's going to be 80 lots. In this next sale, we're going to sell 11 animals that are nothing but the steak of these 11 steers. And so we think it's going to be a, a tremendous offering. It's some our best beef we've had. Our beef just keeps getting better and better because of our genetic pursuit for this quality animal that brings marbling and tenderness. That is the pursuit of Texas Beef House, is premium quality beef. It focuses on tenderness and marbling.
4: Well, I sent you a picture uh, Saturday night with the one that I was about to cook, and it was, of course, the marbling is phenomenal, the taste is incredible, and many of our viewers who have bought your product and even done it online or or in person, and and I think that's what also makes it special. You can be at your ranch just outside of Tyler in White House at Texas Beef House, the Duvall Ranch, or you can go online, and as you said, pick and choose as you want, watch it. And, and get it as you want. Aaron, why is farm-raised aged Wagyu beef so special?
6: Number one is the quality. You just can't escape that when someone sits down to have a steak, they expect a good eating experience, and people will pay for that. And we're looking for the return customer that when they eat our steak, they want to come back and get another one. We really, really pride ourselves on having a, pro- a quality product. We take care of that animal from the birth of that calf to the harvest, We know everything that goes in them and everything that doesn't go in them. And there's no hormones, no antibiotics, no steroids. These cattle get only grass and grain. We age that beef so that the whole beef is aged. So when you buy a hamburger, it's aged. Every cut of steak is aged. That just adds an extra level of quality to the beef. That's what we're pursuing is the best premium beef we can bring to the market david this is the best kept secret in texas as texas beef house so we're trying to get it out there we really appreciate being partners with you guys thick 365 and and we just hope that we're able to get the message out we are here to stay and that we have a product that we really think is unique and different than any piece of beef you're going to get anywhere else
4: wagyu and angus steak auction tuesday january 30th that's this tuesday you can bid in person it's on farm road 756 in tyler at texasbeefhouse.com that's this tuesday tuesday evening they're going to also have food and then you can get involved and get what you want at texasbeefhouse.com
3: this is 365 Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Come by. Let's be friends. Joseph Duarte, Houston Chronicles,
4: has been a, a busy man last night in Austin, Texas, and Houston go overtime, and, and Houston comes out with a win, and they are fun to watch, man, unless you're playing them. And Joseph joins us on 365 Sports. We also want to discuss the uh, Cougars football schedule in the Big 12. But let's start with last night. It It wasn't easy. Texas scored more points against them than anybody. And you would think, okay, well, the game's in overtime. But Texas didn't score for the first, I think, three minutes of overtime. Joseph, just getting into Austin, beating a talented team, and getting out of town.
9: Yeah, that's sort of in the Big 12. That's commission, isn't it? Uh, you know, Kelvin Sampson's quick to point out that, that there's no upsets on the road, uh, in the Big 12. And, and you're right. You know, last night, uh, it was one of those situations where Houston could have easily have lost that game, but, uh, it turned with, uh, three straight threes, uh, then about a 70 second span late in the second half. Jamal Shedd had two of them. And then, uh, that, uh, that overtime they went back to as Kelvin Stanton described it, what, what they've done to win over the years. And that's defense and, uh, you know, rebounding. So, uh, yeah, any, any game you can win on the road in the big 12 is, is a step in the right direction. Uh, there, there's, there's going to be losses some more along the way, but, uh, it was a big one for them to get out of Boston, uh, for many reasons, you know, the history between the, the schools and, and stuff. So, uh, they, they'll take that win any day. Joseph, um,
2: Clearly, you know, they didn't really need to build a Big Twelve roster like say the football team did. They were they were pretty much there, you know, when it started because of what Houston basketball's been over the last, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years. But now that they're are there, do you see a difference in the team to have sustainability in the Big Twelve? Like it's even maybe a little bit better than it was before?
9: Explain that again. I'm, I'm sorry. In terms of you're talking about roster building?
2: Yeah, they had a roster that was ready to go in the Big 12. Like, they didn't have to do yeah, that absolutely. like football would. But is it even maybe even a little bit better than you expected early on? Did he enhance it even more so going into this year?
9: You know, I, I think it's just a, it was a continuation. I don't I don't think it was exactly just pointing to, all right, this is year one of the Big 12. I just think that they have done such a good job of being able to identify Okay, these are the high school guys we're gonna get. We'll develop them and year three and four, that's when we'll see the the fruits of that. And then they they use the other opportunities in the other spots to selectively go through the transfer portal. You know, you look at L you know, you lose Marcus Sasser knowing you're going to the Big Twelve. What do you do? You get L J Cryer. You uh, you lose uh Jarrett Walker and, and obviously this this isn't a comparison, but you're able to get a Damian Dunn who was a a, not, not just a role player, but he was a starter at, at Temple. So uh, you're able to, to feel things a lot quicker. You can identify. And when you have the success that they've had, uh, you've got guys that, that want to come here that you're turning away people. You know, Kelvin's got his uh, the, the, the sort of the, the blueprint of what he wants in a player, and that hasn't changed whether he was in the American or the Big 12. It's still basketball to him, and he can win. And he's not just looking at conference. He's building a roster for March. And if he feels like these are the guys that he can put in place to win, uh, he doesn't care what league or, or who they're playing. It, it's how it fits his program.
5: Joseph, on your end, eight games in now to conference play. Anything just notable, the the, the, the competition, just the crowds? Has anything stuck out to you about being in Big 12 league play for, for these Cougars?
9: It, it's almost like the same. You know, last night, uh, with the exception, but every team that comes in, especially the Petita Center, all we keep hearing is what a, a, a defensive monster Houston is. And, and mm-hmm. you're seeing it. You look at the metrics and the analytics, and they are far above uh, the, the next best tier of teams. And they're showing that even on their worst night uh, offensively, that they have a defense that can carry them. And, and I think that's, that's going to, carried them well into March. We're looking at a, a team that could very well win a national title and they could do it on the defensive end. Now, uh, another thing is, is I, I've been pleasantly surprised at how Fertitta Center has, has turned into that, that loud uh, home court advantage. You know, they, they've won there since it opened. But in the Big 12, you know, they've had Texas Tech come in. They've had West Virginia and Kansas State, and that place has just been rocking. So uh, they, they fit in nicely uh, as a Big 12 uh, program early on. And then you look at, uh, you know, Jamal Shedd. I think this is a guy that we're watching right now have an All-American uh, worthy season. He could be in the Big 12 Player of the Year race uh, and, you know, uh, maybe even some more national type awards. So those are the things that have sort of stuck out to me through, you know, the first one third plus of the season.
4: Houston's already been a part of the Big 12, but now it's the new Big 12 and the schedule released, the football schedule released earlier uh, today. Not many people anymore have Oklahoma on their schedule because they're gone, but Houston does next year in their second game. Uh, Overall, did you get a chance to kind of glance at it, and is it difficult to kind of monitor or think, uh, even calculate what kind of a schedule it is when you have Texas and Oklahoma walking out the door?
9: It's still tough. I believe they have nine bowl teams from last year mm. on the roster. Uh, you know, Dana, I guess in all fairness, Dana's first year, he had Oklahoma on the road and actually his first game as U of H coach. And, and now Willie gets Oklahoma in his second game as head coach. So uh, you lose Texas, but but you didn't play Oklahoma last year. So maybe that's the way it worked out. But looking at the schedule, uh, you know, they they get they get Baylor at home they get TC on the road don't play Tech uh, I thought it was interesting that uh, two really tough games on the road will be to end the year they go to Arizona uh, in in the middle of November and then they go to BYU on the very last game of the regular season and no telling what the weather could be like in Trover for that one uh, you mix in you know some of the some of the familiar teams uh, they get Utah at home. Uh, that'll be one of the the Pac-12 newcomers, and then you know you you have I got teams like Iowa State and, and Cincinnati, so it, it it shapes up to be really tough. Uh, I think it'll we don't quite know yet how Willie Fritz's team's going to look until we get through spring, uh, but they you know they it's going to be an important year. You know I don't I don't see them being a, a contender, but you know if they can get to that sixth win, you know I think that'll be a big step, and you know sort of. Catapult him, you know, the the, the future years for the, for for Willie.
4: Uh, Joseph, uh, last thing uh, when it comes to Houston, and, and we had Fritz on Willie last week, and, and it just seemed like his confidence is so there. Is that also now something that's felt throughout the football and athletic department?
9: It is, and you know, to to, to borrow a line from from the press conference when Tillman for Peter folks, so, you know they feel like there's an adult in the room now and 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 oh. whether that you know it's I guess it's a shot at Dana oh, yeah. uh, but you know they, they definitely felt like uh there wasn't direction there there wasn't that leadership that should be there maybe the going through the motions and, and and Willie's fired up Willie wants to be here Willie has been waiting for a power five job and so to see what he's done in such a short amount of time, especially with recruiting, going from about 102 when Dana got fired to you know, making up some ground, getting some guys to the transfer portal, uh, you know, he's taking this seriously. He's filled out his, his coaching staff, and you know, they're ready to get this thing rolling in and, and the spring. And, and on top of that, you have a renewed interest from the fan base uh, there's, there's that positivity that just wasn't there. It seemed like there just was a black cloud hanging over the program the last, you know, year and a half, uh, of Dana's, uh, tenure. So yeah, I, I, I really think, you know, Willie is a, 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 not only a program builder, but he's a uniter. And I think that's what they needed, uh, after, you know, really, you know, four out of five mediocre years under, under Dana Holgerson's. Good stuff, Joseph.
4: Uh, great win for Houston because any game in the Big 12 is a great win, but a road game against Texas, uh, winning that game. Joseph Duarte, the Houston Chronicle with us on 365 Sports. And yeah, they have that, that second week. They play UNLV and uh, and then they go on the road against Oklahoma. And that's, a, that's kind of a non-conference game that's been there in the past. And I hope that i i hope that some of the schools in the big 12 not everybody not all of you will agree with this but you try to at least kind of keep some of those games at least in non-conference games whether that remains the case or not i don't know
5: uh that's not a gimme win right out of the gates against unlv Uh, barry odom and company i mean that'll be in houston but that's a a tougher non-conference game versus somebody that you might be playing otherwise like a Prairie View A&M or somebody like that. You can just kind of go, yeah, that's a win. Uh, UNLV actually a bit more interesting with what Barry Odom's done there. So, yeah, that first stretch and then going to play in Arrival in, in Rice uh, there in the city, uh, that's your non-con. So that's actually a pretty nice little non-con for Houston um, that will be fun to watch them kind of mull their way through and then get into Big 12 play.
4: All right, we're now joined by Greg Rubell, voice of BYU athletics and of course their basketball team has been playing pretty well in the sledgehammer of the Big 12 we'll get to that with Greg but Greg uh, overall I know there's been talk about the BYU Utah game being early November and not later in November but overall what has been the reaction among BYU faithful or the university athletic department when it comes to the schedule release today
7: yeah, I think most of the obvious focus went to the BYU Utah game and where it was placed. Not a big deal for me. It's been almost 15 years since uh, that was the last game of the year for these teams and uh, on a regular basis. And so, and and since in the interim they've been hit and miss in terms of the schedule. They've been off each other's schedule multiple times in the last decade plus. So, I, I'm okay with it, where it is. Uh, and actually, you know, regardless of the outcome in that game. Uh, you know, winner winning team or losing team, there's a chance to still do some things after that. So it's nice in in a way to maybe not have all the eggs in that basket, have everything build up to that. Uh, in in this way, there's still some things to do after that game. In BYU's situation, they've got KU at home, at ASU, and then Houston at home. So, uh, whatever happens against Utah, there's, you know, there's still some ability to, to make movement late in the year, uh, after the rivalry game, which may not, may be kind of a refreshing thing as well. Uh, you, know, you, you play the, F, the FCS game to open, which is pretty traditional, but then it's back-to-back away games. And, and in, in a season where you could have had seven home games because they have the five
8: mm-hmm. home
7: Big 12 games, they're playing two away. Uh, they opted to keep a game in Laramie on the schedule. When they went to the Big 12, they reconfigured a lot of future dates, took a lot of teams off the schedule. They kept Wyoming on the road on that schedule. So they're going to go at SMU, at Wyoming in back-to-back weeks. In early September. So uh, not everyone gives themselves uh, two away games in their three-game non-conference portion of the schedule. The BYU did that with a power conference team, albeit a new ACC team in SMU, and then a group of five traditional rivals in Wyoming.
2: Greg, I know the fans are upset about not having that game, at least some of them are, not having the rivalry game in rivalry at the end of the year, that it's in the middle of the year. But um, does that create maybe an advantage with Houston coming in and God knows what the weather is going to be in late November in Provo, as where you pretty much know what it's going to be in Houston?
7: Yeah. Uh, you, 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 you take a warm weather team uh, to the mountains on November 30th. I mean, that's anyone's guess. And so, yeah, I, I think BYU gets an advantage with altitude and weather with that game against that team in a game that might mean something. Absolutely.
5: Greg, any. Um... I guess, history with either of the Arizona schools or Colorado. I mean, we know there, there's some teams in the Big 12 still searching for their rival, and here comes Utah for BYU and vice versa. But any kind of background, really, that's notable for those who don't follow BYU football with any of the other three newcomers?
7: Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, uh, Colorado, they won't see till next year. So uh, Colorado's uh, 2025 thing. But of those other three schools, if you want to go back in the day, uh, the old whack BYU, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah were all conference members uh, of the old WAC back in the 70s. And so uh, they started playing football against each other a long time ago. That is BYU and Arizona and Arizona State. So BYU's played Arizona uh, 25 times already, and BYU's played Arizona State uh, 28 times. And and then you go to Utah, and well, that's, you know, that's 95 games. so. Um, these the, the, these Big Twelve newcomers are pretty familiar to uh, the Big Twelve newcomers are familiar to BYU with the exception of Colorado, fewer games against BYU despite the fact they're mountain border brethren. They don't play Colorado a lot and they won't see until 25.
4: You know what? What about the travel with BYU, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State? Obviously, out to the west, and then UCF has got a very long schedule on some of the road games, but they have a lot of teams that are coming a long way to go play them as well. Is that is there anything there that you see as a quirk when it comes to that?
7: Now, BYU goes by home game, home game, to Orlando within a bye. So e- even the one East Coast trip comes at a time that's pretty soft for BYU, relative to not making back-to-back road games, certainly not making back-to-back long trips. And so uh, the one long, long trip happens in a pretty good spot in the schedule. I do like the fact BYU doesn't leave the state of Utah but for once after October 26th. So from from late October to to the end of November, BYU leaves the state once, and it's only to go down to Tempe. So I I think they got a pretty good travel schedule this year. Uh, And, again, to me, the heaviest lifting comes in in those back-to-back away games at SMU and at Wyoming, really off the start of the season before league play even starts.
2: Greg, uh, spring football is going to open up a lot of things for BYU. I know the season, first season of Big Twelve, didn't go their way, but um, how kind of wide open are, are our position battles going to be, particularly at quarterback and everything that's going to uh, go on there for
4: the Cougs?
7: Yeah, nothing really happened in, in, at running back for BYU in the portal, and so you're looking at, at what they had to get better. But at quarterback, that's where news was made because Gary Bohannon came,
9: mm-hmm.
7: and and so that's you know that that's the headline right now. Everything's going to go to quarterback because. Uh, Keaton Slovis uh, didn't play the last four games of 2023 due to injury. He was the big get last year, of course, right? So the Slovis thing didn't quite work out as BYU hoped it would. Jake Retzloff got a four-game cameo at the end, but they were four losses. BYU faded as the finish. Uh, the Cougars were on pace to get to a bowl game at 5-2, and two, and somehow they missed the bowl game, losing five in a row to end the year, the last four under Jake Retzloff. So Retzloff's cameo, while it had some high points, didn't result in a single win, so they went out and got a quarterback to compete with Jake Retzloff and Gary Bohannon will be that primary competitor. So, yes, there will be battles other places, but everything's going to look to quarterback because there's a real question as to who the guy is uh, when the Cougars open the season against Southern Illinois on August 31st.
4: Besides the obvious, but after two losses, Tech and then University of Houston to win that game on Saturday against Texas, um, uh, how, how critical was that to, to get that win with two road games coming up against West Virginia and Oklahoma?
7: Massive, massive win on Saturday. And that was a game BYU trailed by seven early, too. Texas came out banging threes. BYU wasn't taking or making a lot of threes, which is unusual for them. So it's a huge win. Uh, you know, the, the, the Texas Tech loss was the killer because they led by 16 at halftime in Lovett. And, and then to lose that game, uh, having had such a commanding lead, and then follow that up by getting Houston to a 68-68 tie with two minutes to go, BYU came back from double digits twice in the second half against Houston, got it to a tie ball game and then could not score in the final two minutes, had a wide open three for the lead with a guy that you want shooting it. So those those were two tough losses in two very different ways. One where you lose a lead and another where you're taking on a top five team and have them in a tie ball game in a rabid atmosphere and don't finish it off. So off two tough losses to to beat Texas the way they did. It uh, meant everything. You get back in the you know you're back in the mix. Three and four and two and five feels like a big difference here in the Big 12.
5: Mm-hmm. And then we
7: saw how well Texas played last night, right? I mean they, they had, I mean they're leading Houston by six late, and it looks like okay Texas is on top of this thing. And then those back to back to back threes by Houston just flipped the game. That said, it goes to overtime. But Texas is clearly a good team, and and that's a good win for BYU because the Longhorns had one back to back ranked teams, back to back ranked games going into the BYU game so uh yeah really big for BYU and now the buy comes at a really good time this is their one midweek buy. a lot of guys to rest up and get healthy uh Morgantown's gonna be no joke though I know everyone looks at West Virginia right now as kind of a get but Mm. I mean you know Kansas and Texas probably not the same thing and that didn't work out for them so West Virginia's got their guys back they're all together now I I think it's gonna be a really really tough game to win despite the fact West Virginia is where it is in the standings
4: all right so i text you i was at the baylor tcu game that went forever and ever and ever great win for the frogs about the uh the t-shirts and the students just to clarify what happened because a lot of people saw that there was the post by mitch harper and the uh, next thing you know those t-shirts are gone and everybody immediately likes to point the finger at texas and and there's some of that that's uh, deservedly so but you made the comment that no, this was something BYU asked him to do. Did you even know that was a thing before you got my text?
7: Yeah, no, I, I saw the shirts in the front row uh, before the game, and BYU I think was a better safe than sorry situation. They just didn't want to have anything, you know, become something. And and as a result, you know, either way, it's a story, right? Whether they're there or they're getting taken off, the fact they were presented visually, you know, it became a story. But I, I think BYU just wanted it to not be a bigger thing than it might already be, and and there was no you know, brush back or fight back from the students. It was just a thing that kind of came and went. And, you know, I I don't think it's a huge deal. It's just in the timing of everything. uh, I I think BYU wanted to make sure it didn't become something more uh, than it was initially. And and it was something BYU wanted to kind of head off in the past. And not have it be a deal. And I'm sure Texas wouldn't have raised a big ruckus about it either. But uh, I think they wanted to, you know, be overly sensitive and they even took some heat for that, right? You know, yeah. I, I, you know, like they, yeah. this is all good. You know, it's good, clean fun. It's not obscene. It's not offensive. It's just, you know, students being students. But I, I totally understand um, both sides of the coin, and, and not surprised at all that BYU kind of want to get extinguish it before it became anything big.
4: Thanks for your time, Greg. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. Enjoy a little bit of a break, and then BYU, as you mentioned, on the road the next couple of games. Winning on Saturday at, uh, against Texas. And appreciate his time. The voice of BYU Athletics, Greg Rubel, with us on 365 Sports when we come back. A couple of other notes to get to, including Tennessee is on the clock when it comes to the NCAA. What's of Tennessee, Florida State. Who else? We'll get to that. Florida. Florida. Mac Rhodes, Baylor Director of Athletics, around the corner. Craig's off the radar and Paul's top five. All of that and more. We appreciate your time If you haven't, please hit the like button. If you haven't, please subscribe if you can. And also spread the word whenever that's possible. And this is 365 Sports. Pioneer Steel and Pipe. Uh, They have pipe, steel, and metal. They have what you need the product to build things. Big buildings or even just metal buildings. They have that, and they've had it for a long, long time. And now they have their new location. I keep on saying new, but I guess it technically is just over a year old, just on the east side of I-35 in Waco on what is Loop 340 and Highway 6. Bigger, better, faster, and stronger. Opened their doors in 1943. Now, just imagine all of what has changed during that time of 80-plus years. So many things have changed. The prices, the distribution, heck, even administrations in the economy have gone either one way or the other, and they are still as strong as ever before, and it was time to move into something new, and they are there. Uh, They do a great job. What you need to build something. They have pipe, steel, and metal, and everything else in between, a 2,500-square-foot showroom with a 1,000 new products to show you, and, of course, their delivery. What they have to make sure that you load up your trailer, your hauler, your 18-wheeler or pickup truck is better than ever before. Pioneer Steel and Pipe, Loop 340, Highway 6 on the east side of 35 in Waco. Since 1943, PioneerBoys.com.
1: Developed by Startup Waco, a nonprofit organization, GXG is a program designed to support the entrepreneurial development of Baylor University student athletes through NIL activations. The program helps student athletes maximize their platforms and offers a comprehensive support system for them to create and grow new businesses that not only benefit themselves but also uplift the local economy. Fans who wish to support student athletes can donate to GXG via the GXG NIL fund. BaylorBears.com slash GXG. Contributions to support NIL activations through GXG can be made at BaylorBears.com slash GXG. For more information, follow at GXG underscore Green X Gold on social media and visit the official website www.gxg.startupwaco.com. GXG, empowering student athlete entrepreneurship and uplifting the local economy through NIL activations.
0: When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected.
2: Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan
5: County locations.
2: Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation.
5: see an equal housing lender.
4: Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped filets, sirloin steaks, bone-in ribeyes, boneless ribeyes, and even prime rib. Cut specifically the way you want, the thickness that you want. They're all delicious. They have Norwegian salmon, mahi-mahi, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey, variety of cheese and several options of sausages links, and even regular jalapeno or cheese snack sticks, fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, and ground beef, marinated beef or chicken fajitas, and always large briskets and tri-tip available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and tradition continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, a full-service butcher shop and bakery, open Monday through Saturday. The Bauer Family, Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or wacocustommarketplace.com.
3: This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com.
1: The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house.
3: Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. So
4: Florida State got dinged recently. Florida recently, when it comes to NCAA looking at some of what they've been doing, the NIL when everybody's doing NIL, maybe some ahead of the curve earlier, much earlier. Uh, there's no way that anyone can convince me that there's not tampering. Like that's like a, a, a wildfire, uh, it everywhere. But Tennessee now is next. Uh, they're now involved in an NIL and NCAA investigation. Of course, they've been on the clock recently anyway. So, um, and and of course, they fought back their chancellor, Bruce Feldman, with that specific story. But they're now under investigation, apparently, about NIL. And, Paul, you have a theory on this with the uh, NIL. And those are three boys. Now, those are some alphas. Tennessee, Florida, Florida State. So,
2: Likely they're not smart enough to think this up, but my conspiracy theory on it would be they made this really chaotic and and, um, easily breakable NIL rule so that they could justify investigating things still. Because they can actually, look, they showed with Florida State you can actually win this because if they make this rule easily breakable, because it is so easy to break, if they make it easy to break, they can get a win and it justifies their existence. Now, I don't know if they really think that far ahead in advance, but the NIL rules are really chaotic, and they don't make a lot of sense. And like I said, they're easy to break. You know, for Florida State, like, a lot of theirs, uh, you know, is around uh, Alex Atkins, the offensive line coach and offensive coordinator, driving Amarius Mims, who didn't even go there and went back to Georgia, to a meeting with one of the collectives. And... I mean, I know that that's kind of like against the rule, I, but it's one of those things where you're like, ah. I mean, is that like if he's gonna if he's allowed to go meet with the collective anyway, and then all the coach did was drive him
4: there? Like, how much of a rule is that? There used to be an NCAA rule the coach couldn't drive an athlete anywhere. Remember yeah, what happened so- at UMHB. Uh, by using a car to go get groceries? I mean... It, yeah. it, uh, a, a beater, too. Yeah. Like an absolute... <laughs> when you saw a picture of the car, you're
2: like, oh, well, that's not it's not exactly the Trans Am for, for Eric Dickerson. Now, one element of this investigation is a little bit... Um, it's clearly against the rules, and that is Nikola Maliava uh, apparently took a private jet to the visit for his recruitment. That is against NCAA rules. Now, again, where they're going to run into a legal thing is if you're about to give this guy money for doing nothing anyway, isn't the private jet thing just kind of peanuts to it in the long run? Now it is against the rules, but we'll see what happens. Plus, they had just been Remember on the hook for what, breaking a lot of rules Craig, last I know time.
4: you want to add, Perry Jones was placed uh, under NCAA investigation because a relative flew him out to a bowl game in San Diego i think it no, was a preseason cowboys game cowboys yeah. game and and you just there were things i mean you there was just you didn't do anything but we know that it was happening across the country
5: yeah i think uh it's you know interesting to see them going after another school i just i don't know i i, I don't even know exactly outside of the i'm Leava airplane ride what all is being alleged here, there's not really details on what exactly went on that I've come across at least. I know that was mentioned as part of it, but uh, just that it has to do with their NIL collective. So um, when you have a bunch of sketchy gray area type of rules and and this is constantly kind of a chaotic situation, it's not surprised that every once in a while somebody's going to get bit by it because they've got to try to make an example of, their time spent and their investigations and and all of that. I mean, otherwise, what are they doing? Uh, And I guess they're hosting championships or they're doing this and that, but they've got to show that they're at least trying to corral NIL to some of their ability. And so I guess this is what those attempts are because, yeah, I mean, if it's as simple as a plane trip, then slap them on the wrist, but that's nothing that's going to, like, shut – down the program or cancel bowl season or anything along those lines and uh, I think really the most interesting part is not even so much what Tennessee did I know people rally around and they've got a bunch of big rivals and therefore there's gonna be a lot of oh Tennessee cheated on social media Um, but I think this is just pretty much the the way the game's played I don't see anything that's super egregious and it's like oh my gosh this is absolutely gonna turn out you know, t- terrible for them. And even those who have had things that look pretty terrible on the surface, it hasn't necessarily always turned out terribly for them when it comes to NCAA punishment. So um, probably much to do about nothing in the long run is, I guess, the point that I'm getting at. Like most, mo- most of these stories when it comes to the NCAA, they're just showing their teeth a little bit and um, letting it be known that they still are the the law, so to speak, to some extent, although that extent has now being challenged by uh, seemingly everyone because those teeth – Those teeth aren't as sharp as they used to be. And so with this one, I mean, Tennessee has already responded back in pretty emphatic fashion that they have not broken any rules and that even when they did uh, here recently, they met with the NCAA, they were transparent, they were told by the NCAA that they had handled it as well as anybody had handled a case. They were thanked for how transparent they were, and the point made by their chancellors, so then we turn around and have that happen and then turn around and go violate NCAA rules blatantly again? Like, that doesn't make sense. Why would we do that? You just commended us for how well we worked with you on the last case. We knew we did wrong. We admitted to wrongdoing. We talked with you about that and how to solve that, so then we turn right around and go start busting rules I you know it is college sports so that is possible but I thought that that was a pretty stern response by UT Chancellor uh, Donde Plowman uh, to Charlie Baker and so I'm very curious as to how the NCAA now responds in kind but um, as Plowman did point out I mean there's um, a lot of the NCAA trying to put the magic back or put the, the the rabbit back in the hat and that because of the rules being so foggy and there's such, a, I guess, as they framed it or uh, they framed it in the, the letter, uh, unclear guidance that the NCAA needs to probably spend uh, less time trying to pick on a Tennessee or a Florida State here and there. And get some rules that make sense and that everybody can follow clearly mm. because clearly they're still like somebody speaking Spanish and everybody else is speaking English on occasion. And it's not jiving together, but then they want to have this unclear, murky water and then turn right around and then slap you for it. And you're like, I didn't. You know, it's just, there's not enough clarity, and I do agree with that from a Tennessee standpoint. A lot of gray
4: areas. A lot of teams have uh, smudged whatever lines there might be or whatever's been drawn up in the sand. they just run right through it, barreled through okay. it. And, uh, and and so they're just picking and choosing who they want to go after. But those are three big boys, yeah. Tennessee, Florida, and Florida State. It's not like it's Troy, with all due respect. My alma mater will probably get fined for it because they do. Or, you know, it's... But, it, you
2: know, I and look. I'm not in favor of giving the schools all the power back because that you know they they abused it before. But I do think like taking down the walls where you know you have coaches that are out there wearing the NIL collective shirt. They're speaking at NIL collective fundraisers. They're telling people just on that their they need more shows, NIL. Yeah. They need more NIL. Well, how come then? How is the the recruit, the player, the people, person on the roster when the only person you tell them to go to? Like, when you have something you need, you go to the football staff. Well, they need to get NIL money, so they have to go to the football staff, and the football staff has to be like, um, you can call this 800 number. Like, are you serious or whatever? Like, what are you doing? Just take down that wall and let it happen because – What you're doing here is you're having another bagel and cream cheese thing where you can have bagels but no cream cheese because apparently cream cheese is a delicacy that the likes of Tennessee can afford, but Bowling Green cannot.
5: Yeah, Well, Tennessee's not backing down, so we will see them fight this because they came out about as strong as you can with that statement from the chancellor, uh, not just saying that the rules are unclear and the guidance is something that is on the NCAA's end, Uh, And that needs to be cleared up for all of the schools involved. But, I mean, the language used, factually untrue... Is what they called the allegations procedurally flawed. Is what they called the allegations intellectually dishonest. Is what they called the NCAA rules when it comes to name, image, likeness, and the way that those are written in the uh, in the guidelines. So, uh, pretty heavy language, uh, as you would expect. A stern response when you don't feel like you're at fault. I mean, it's it you know it's one thing if you are flying a recruit and that's blatantly against the rules, but uh, it appears that Tennessee is saying, no, 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 we're not guilty of of what we're being alleged to, and your procedures are flawed and your rules are unclear and so yeah we're pushing back on this and um this just throw another little uh, i guess uh Another log on the fire that's burning right now, and Tennessee is one of those teams, one of those bigger teams in a big conference. That if you talk about breakaways and uh, leaving the NCAA, and that's just just one of these moments. I'm saying that you look at that along the road, and you go, "Yep, that's that's a part where a little bit more got worn away from the NCAA's uh, you know fist of control." So we'll see how that goes down the line.
4: Yeah, they're a dog. They have uh, they have a huge athletic budget, also revenue and. Very much a big boy player in uh, college athletics, even if they had their time where they were down and and mishitting for quite some time. When we come back, Mack Rhodes, Baylor Director of Athletics. It's been a while since we had a chance to visit with him. His thoughts about the Foster Pavilion. Also, the Big 12 schedule. Brittany Griner having her jersey retired and more. And this is 365 Sports.
5: Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac, they are the people that you can count on. They're the people that I've counted on a couple of different times. I got into uh, some accidents and needed some paint job work, needed some bumps and, uh, I guess, scrapes uh, taken off of my car or fixed and put back into uh, making it look like new. And, well, Richard Carr was able to do that and would never have noticed that I'd gotten into Uh, any incidents with my vehicle thanks to the great job that they did. But that's just one of the things that they get done over there. Their body shop, their pros working over there will get your car into tip-top shape in absolutely no time at all and will make it very convenient for you. If you have to leave your vehicle or uh, you're worried about the pricing, things of that nature, Uh, that is something that Richard Carr will take care of with their customer service. So that's just one of my experiences with them, not to mention when you walk in the lobby there, there's a bunch of people sitting there hard at work trying to give you the best deals and trying to make the car buy process as easy as possible. It's a warm, friendly environment, so if you go over there and see them in person, uh, you can rest assured that you're working with people that you can count on, and that's what Richard Carr has been for over two decades here in the central Texas area, but not only are they friendly, not only are they great when it comes to customer service or repairing your vehicle, but they also have new vehicles, pre-owned vehicles on the lot as well, and right now, one of those new vehicle offerings to take a look at are the Buicks, a perfect combination of First-class luxury value like no other sport utility vehicle right now ranked the number one overall brand for new vehicle quality by J.D. Powers, are the Buick Envisions, which offer amazing value. And right now you can save $5,000 on a new Buick Envision and qualified buyers can also get 1.9% financing on Buick's top-rated SUVs. Plus, military and first responders are eligible to save an additional $500. So you can contact the good folks over at Richard Carr for more details on that. But that is just one of their new offerings. They've got pre-owns as well, plus great service on your vehicle, whatever you're looking for. You can see why they built a reputation As the people you can count on for your automotive needs run by Proud Central Texans, Proud Baylor Bears. Log on to RichardCar.com today. Call now. Go see them now off Highway 6 at the Imperial exit.
0: Thank you
2: Samuels House to Travel is a full-service travel agency with highly experienced travel consultants plus support staff with over a combined 150 years in the travel business. They are ready to take care of any travel situation for you, your family, and your business. And with a kind of knowledge to complete a seamless itinerary trip start to finish. They will search for the best deal to accommodate your budget from air to cars, ship to shore, hotel and even meeting space. Name a destination and they've been there. They know the places to go in an international and missionary travel is one of their unique specialties. Alan Samuels, House of Travel, celebrating 50 years in business. Call Connie, Sherry, Linda, or Bambi at 254-776-2560 or find them on Facebook or
3: at House houseoftravelwaco.com. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. Baylor Director of Athletics, Mac
4: Rhodes, joins us. 365 Sports, Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, and David Smoke. It's been a while. Uh, I had a chance to visit with Mac in the studio back during the uh, end of the year. But it's been a while. You guys can introduce yourselves. Garrett uh, Garrett Ross runs the mothership. Paul Craig, say hi to uh, Mac. Hi. I mean, I did
2: when I called him, yeah. you know, it was good. It's good to talk to him again. hear his voice. Mac. Good.
10: It's good to be with the three of you. I may have said that I, that i missed, I've really missed Paul and Craig, but, but the other guy can't remember his name. I'm, I'm not sure about.
4: Well, so. you're stuck with me. That's all there is to it. You are stuck with me. A lot of things to get to. And I know you have uh, uh, something else to do in about 20 minutes, another meeting or whatever, as always, the big 12 schedule release, you have four games in a row against teams out of Utah and Colorado. Kind of a unique twist. Uh, the the game with Utah, of course, non conference. Was there anything in particular you, when you looked at the schedule, popped out to you?
10: No, I, I think it's a good blend, and I think the sequencing of the of the of the scheduling, and you know just how far we're traveling, you know, distance in terms of when you when you think about you know back to back road trips, the Iowa State Texas. Tech, the West Virginia-Houston, right, um, you know, and again, you know, this is the year obviously where we play five big 12 on the, on the, on the road, but, uh, but really like the schedule, you know, with, with adding, you know, the four pack 12 schools, you know, uh, this game, you know, with versus, versus Utah, you know, originally, you know, scheduled uh, state as a, as a non-conference. And so I thought, you know, that's certainly unique, but we weren't the only one. The, uh, the Arizona, uh, at K-State is also a, a non-conference, uh, matchup, but, um, I think great trips when we think about at Utah, Salt Lake City and, and, um, and then, you know, you think about, you know, at Colorado, Boulder, but, um, again, really, really like it. You know, um, Oklahoma State, I think is a, it's a great, you know, uh, game for us and, and, uh, and homecoming. So, um, you know, all of those things. And then, you know, I certainly grateful to the big 12 um, just for recognizing the importance of the, of the TCU matchup, you know, that's one of four protected, Um, you know, the others, Arizona, Arizona state, BYU, Utah, uh, Kansas, Kansas state, but, uh, you know, grateful for that. So that, uh, you know, we, we get to play our, our friends, you know, um, 80 miles, 90 miles up North of us uh, every, every year. So, excited about it and um you know again you know two best teams you know will play in uh in uh AT&T for the uh for the Big 12 championship.
2: Mac I know that this year uh because of the where Labor Day falls that we have two bye weeks but do you believe with the expansion of playoff and the way the schedule and the future will move around that two bye weeks might be here to stay?
10: You know, Paul, it's a great question. I I really hope so. I I just think, you know, when we just uh, think about the physicality of our game, the number of games, again, you mentioned, you know, uh, 12 teams. So, you know, what that means in terms of additional games, you know, if you, if you play in the conference championship game, right. Then, you know, also if it's not the 12 team, you know, playoffs and then the bowl game. And so I, I like playing 12 over 14. I like the two buys and, uh, and I hope I hope it's something that uh, when we think about you know future of football and you know as, as you all know you know serve on on football oversight committee that it's, it's something that we can we can be intentional about again in the in the future
5: Mac I think one of the only I guess uh, complaints I guess if you will that I've seen uh, with the schedule release across the league really has been you know BYU and Utah fans who are hoping that that rivalry would fall on rivalry week I know the big 12s got their established rivalries and also trying to create new ones as well. But I was just uh, wondering, given the timing you know, of, could you go into just kind of the philosophy there on the part of the conference when it comes to protecting rivalries, a uh, rivalry week, just kind of where games are placed and the emphasis of all that?
10: Yeah, no, Craig, it's a it's a great, you know, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you use a computer and you you, you, you put in this, this – uh, this, this, this formula, right. That, that helps to, to, to spit it out. And, you know, I think it's certainly multiple, 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 multiple versions before you get to the, get to the one that, that you like. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's TV partners as well. And so I think just you're, you're trying to navigate a lot of it. I, I can tell you because I sat on, you know, this, this committee of, of four or five, you know, athletic directors when we, when we, uh, we're really mapping out the criteria for the for the football schedule with with 16 you know we really wanted to to you know be true to you know what are what are truly the, the protected rivalries what are what are truly the 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 uh the, the games that that need to be played every every year and then you know how do you how do you insert again, really, we think about it, eight new teams, Mm -hmm. you know, four and and then four and, and introduce, you know, those, those eight new members throughout the league, throughout the, the, the fan bases, you know, them to the, to the original eight. And then, you know, the original eight to, to, to the, to the new eight. Right. And, and then how do you, how do you begin to, you know, um, formulate those, those new rivalries. And when you, when you think about, you know, specifically like the full pack 12 schools coming in, you know, still wanting, you know, to, 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 to be able to, to play each other, not, not every year, but, but trying to, to, to nuance that. So there was a lot of moving pieces and parts to this and, and it's um, and it fell out the, the way it did. And, you know, hats off to, to our associate commissioner, Scott Draper, who, who really led the charge in this space. He, he did a phenomenal job. And, you know, when you're the person in charge of scheduling, uh, when the schedule comes out, um, you end up having probably a, a, a lot of people not not real happy because everybody can pick out something that, hey, man, I wish this this was different. But I think overall, um, I think we landed in a great place for, for the Big 12. And then, you know, selfishly and specifically, I think we landed in a great place for Baylor.
4: Nikki Collin, when she arrived, uh, was very um, opinionated about the fact that she wanted, this is before Russia or anything like that, to bring Brittany Griner back to retire her jersey. There's a lot behind that. Obviously, Brittany made comments about Baylor in the program back when she turned pro, but it's been a while. It's been a long, long time, and now you all have announced that you're going to retire her jersey. Um, what kind of emotions do you think you'll see that night, and and the fact that now there's an actual an actual date where she'll be back in Waco?
10: Uh, you know, again, I I wasn't as you all know I wasn't here when when Brittany was a was a student athlete and and played here. I, I will tell you the conversation you know within the athletic department um, by and from those that were here when when Brittany. Brittany played. What what I've heard loud and clear is that she was absolutely beloved here. Yeah, he um, was one of our most beloved, you know, student athletes. And you know, when you think about now, Baylor's been pretty dang blessed with some some really accomplished, you know, former former student athletes. But I don't know that that anybody could, um, you know, uh, rightfully argue that you know Brittany is not you know one of the one of the very very top and. And, um, when you think about just, you know, her Baylor accomplishments, but, and, and what she meant to to Baylor athletics and, and to the, to, to the, to the Baylor family, but also when you think about what she's meant to the sport of women's basketball, both nationally and, and internationally. So, you know, we're excited to bring her back. Um, I think it's going to be a great, great celebration and a, and a great moment. And again, you know, I, I continue to hear just how, how beloved, um, you know she was um, when she was a when she was a student athlete here. And you, you know, wow. I mean, you think about some of her accomplishments: a two-time consensus, like consensus national player of the year. Um, and that's that's a really really high standard. And you know, you win a pair of Olympic gold medals. So, um, you know, and, and the other thing that that I think we're all proud of is that you know she uh, she finished her her undergraduate degree in, in yep. two thousand. And so um, excited and, and, and happy and, and, uh, for her that she, she, uh, she uh, got her undergraduate degree. And, again, I think it's going to be a, a wonderful celebration.
4: There is no Baylor top two, three, or four, five list without her in that conversation. She's in that conversation with RG3 and Mike Singletary, among a couple of others that will be included, too. And there's no doubt about that. And she was beloved and also treated incredibly well when she was at Baylor. Paul? Mac, um, the, uh, NCAA is investigating a lot of these NIL things.
2: FSU had an agreement on their punishment and Florida and Tennessee are getting investigated. We have talked about this before about simpl- simplifying the rules in that because, you know, when I read some of these violations, it seems like it's a super easy rule for coaches to break unintentionally you know driving a kid to a meeting with an nil collective when that same coach could go to that nil collective the next night and have a fundraiser in front of you know the the people giving money and say please give us money dropping a kid off seems to be a pretty minor thing uh, you have you know, expressed interest in having the schools have much more of a direct say in it and control over and able to point things. Do you think that eventually they'll be headed in that direction because right now it seems like there's a lot of cases out there that the NCAA is going to keep investigating because these rules are pretty ready easy to break and it's kind of chaotic.
10: Yeah, you know this is this has been you know something that that has involved you know uh, as, as you all know and as we've talked about you know in the very beginning, right? Um, I felt like as an, as an athletic department, we couldn't even speak about it really. And, um, and, and had to be really, really careful in, in terms of, you know, what we said, how we talked about it. Um, and it was really, you know, hands, hands off. And then, you know, later it changed and said, Hey, the, the, the NCA said, Hey, you can, you can come in and, and now assist and, and help. And so I think that's, that's what, what you know we we've been doing and uh and you know people across the country have been doing um you know i think the as as you you know spoke about it i, I think the um you know where does where is that line drawn i think it's just a really hard hard space to, to 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 navigate and you know i would say that with the you know uh charlie baker letter on december 4th you know the new um NCA, Division One subdivision, you know, and mention of, of name, image, and likeness. And then I think, you know, along with some of the, the antitrust litigation cases out there, there's, there's four of them currently right now. Um, I think you're going to see name, image, and likeness even evolve more. And um, whether or not, you know, um, the athletic department, the institution can become even more involved, and or you know going as far as hey, you know name, image, and likeness comes in house. And so you know you think about potentially like you know our bear foundation that raises money for for scholarships. You know in the future you know now all of a sudden are we are we raising money now for for uh, for student athlete scholarships and name, image, and likeness. And so you know um, I I think again in the next twelve months you're gonna you're gonna start to see. See it um, maybe maybe have a clearer pathway than, than what it does uh, what it does now.
5: Mac Foster Pavilion has been open for a few weeks now and it's a brand new building and still being worked on to some extent but uh, you got a few games now under your belt uh, what have been your positive and I guess even negative impressions so far or things I guess maybe you've identified that uh, you like or want to improve just kind of give me your your feedback so to speak so far on what you've seen at Foster Pavilion.
10: Yeah, I think you know again with the Foster Pavilion still in in progress, right? As you mentioned, Craig, uh, Craig it's still a, a construction site as we as we uh, you know try to try to finish up the uh, the Allison Development Center, but but also still some things within within the the arena portion of the of the Foster Pavilion, and uh, you know I would I would say again, you know we were we were very intentional about wanting to play, you know, the the, the big twelve season in the Fox Pavilion when we thought about certainly, you know, home court advantage. And then, you know, for both programs and then, you know, just thinking about, you know, our seniors for, for both programs and giving them a, the, the the opportunity. And so I think overwhelmingly it's been extremely uh extremely, you know, positive. Um, however you know anytime you move into a, a, a new facility there are there are things that that need to be tweaked and and, and altered and, and resolved and i think that you know our facility staff and even our external staff you know have done a great job of, of you know developing a a list and uh, of, of, of things that that we need to you know um, fix it's like going through a house in a in a closing right where you where you you you, you've got a list of things that still need to be be completed and so um i think that um you know we're we're certainly on top of all of those things and you know we'll have to get to to the end of the season to to address them you know probably the 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 biggest complaint and no secret to you all has been you know the uh the discussion the conversation about you know the, the camera angle and um it's been interesting. Um, you know, uh, I've had, you know, people reach out to me personally that, you know, um, do not like, absolutely do not like the, the, the camera angle, uh, you know, whatsoever or camera angles. And, And then I've, I've had some reach out to me that they're like, you know, I, it's, it's fine for me, but it's, it's something that, that we need to address. You know, when we went through, obviously the, uh, the design process, you know, we we used a, an architectural firm that, you know, was really great in the in the space of both MBA and, and college arenas. And, you know, of course, they bring in a, a third party and they do due diligence, a third party outside consultant when you think about TV production and camera location and angles. And so we went through that process. Um, we even worked with one of our TV partners and their top, Production team um, in terms of again um, exact um, TV or exact camera placement and and angles meaning distance from from floor etc. Um, the one thing we knew is that we were never going to be able to, to to replicate exactly the uh, the Farrell Center because that's such a you know a horizontal building. This, this is a a vertical building and, and we were really, really focused on in game, right. Fans on, on top of the action and it being a very, very, very loud building. And I, and I think that, uh, I think that, um, you know, we certainly, certainly, uh, accomplished that. Uh, I think what maybe, you know, quite frankly surprised us is just, um, I don't know that, that we even going through all of that due diligence, the, the difference between Feral and, uh, and um and foster in terms of camera angles would have been as as pronounced as is what they might be or what some people certainly think they are and so it's something that that we've got to solve and and uh certainly you know we're working on solutions right now but you know you're not going to be able to address that until until the end of the year so but again i think overwhelmingly it has been um extremely extremely positive and uh and people have been, you know, really, really excited about about the, uh, the arena um, in general.
4: Mac, thank you very much for your time. Good to have you back on. We'll talk to you again uh, soon. And uh, are you headed to uh, Orlando with the basketball team? Or are you hanging around town?
10: So uh, Big 12 meetings at the, at the end of this week. So I will, I will be there and um, miss you guys. And uh, let's get some uh, W's this week. Yeah. Uh, women's basketball, big game Thursday versus versus UT and men's basketball tomorrow night at, at UCF and then uh, Iowa State Saturday here at, at home while uh, women's basketball heads to Houston on Sunday. So um, let's get some W's in, uh, with both men's and women's basketball. That
4: always makes people feel better. Any breaking news you want to give us now about what happens at the Big 12 meetings or you just don't know yet?
10: Well, you know what? I'll text you while I'm in the meeting. There you How go. about that? I will accept uh,
4: I will accept that Mac Rose, Baylor's director of athletics with us. Good to have him back. Uh, we'll be in studio most of the other appearances, but because of uh, his schedule, et cetera, not today, but we appreciate that. And he made it clear, the camera angles. I know some people have been like, that's been the number one thing. I know some have complained about the noise being too loud. I was there. I've been to three games. I have not had that experience. Um, and I, I think it's great. It's not completely, uh, completely done, but the camera angles, as he said, will be addressed and cannot really completely be addressed until the offseason.
5: Yeah, you're, you're not necessarily the best gauge for noise, <laughs> just to all due respect. Um, yeah, I mean, I, what I, are I, you over here looking at? Just, but I have seen, like Bryce Cherry wrote an article about, hey, it's great that it's loud, but it's almost too loud. So I, I, yeah. They, I, they, I do know they, they
2: adjusted the bass, like, the, like those just, kind of things. were kind of shaking the seats. Right. And if you've ever been to – um, I'll tell you the, what is now Amelie arena in, in Tampa or whatever they call it, Amelie yeah. or whatever, yeah. that's, was a terrible place to go to a concert. Cause even like I would see Jimmy Buffett there and the bass was like shaking my seat yeah. and he's not a dude who's, you know, boom, 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 like you know, that, it was, yeah. it was not really that much. So if you're in a stadium where the bass shakes, it is, it can be off putting because sure. it can make you kind of feel queasy. sure uh, But so they fixed that, but all of this happened. Because they went in so early, mm-hmm. like they had really not the kind of level of just comparing it to the when the football stadium, I went on in Soki, you and I, but I, I know I went on almost every single one of them. We probably went in the football stadium fifteen to twenty times before it opened on different tours. There was one media tour before the basketball arena opened. One Scott Drew told us the day that you were gone. Um, when we had him on he had only been in there two times yeah. before yes. their first yes. practice in there so if the men's basketball coach and the women's basketball coach and the teams have only been in there two times there was no way they could have run the dry runs they needed to do to figure all this stuff out they will be able to do that in the off season it was a risk they were willing to take and you can disagree or agree with that to get the home court advantage that they so sorely lacked In a conference where so many places, Allen Fieldhouse, Morgantown, um, you know,
5: I mean Texas with their new arena, like
2: oh yeah, Texas like have these huge home court advantages that you don't have, and you have one of the elite teams in the country. They wanted it; it was a sacrifice they're willing to make. It'll be better in the future.
4: There are things that you should be able to enjoy, and it doesn't mean that it's the Mona Lisa. It, it 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 is absolutely for what I've experienced, and I had to I walked from the studio about a mile or so to the pavilion on Saturday. Weather was nice. I enjoyed every part of when I left here to when I got there, when I was there, and the game, and then of course on the way back. I, I yes, it's not perfect, but nothing's going to be perfect.
5: Yeah, I mean it'll be nice when they get the offices all done because I did feel a little silly asking Scott Drew, and I thought I'd prefaced it by like hey i know not everything's done but i mean it was like really not done like hey what do you like about the new arena and he's like well basically there's a court here <laughs> and like that's all cool but like as far as like all the accoutrements and all those kind of things like there's none of that to speak of or wasn't at least then so yeah it's a very much a work in progress but what is uh already finished has been pretty uh well i guess uh positively reviewed across the board for the most part that i've seen i mean the people in attendance. Now, there's the at-home, like the camera angle sucks. I hate the camera angle. I will say the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, that's terrible. The last couple times I've seen games, it's not ideal for some people, but it's also not nearly as bad as I thought based on reading reviews and also the first time that I saw it because they've clearly made some changes to it, and it's improved it a little bit. Is it great? Is it perfect? No, but as he addressed there, at least – they're acknowledging that, and that it's going to be something that they work on along with everything else. So that's, that's all good, I, and you just have to be patient.
2: I'll also say that e- there is a difference between an ESPN Plus game and an ESPN or CBS or Fox game, sure. and that the ESPN Plus games are run by it's mostly Baylor Vision. Like, they might have some uh, you know, freelancers that come in and help them run some things, but when you're talking about a camera angle and you're talking about different things, when it's an ESPN Plus game, any college that's does this, there are student workers holding those cameras. They're on the job training for their future. And yeah, it's so you know, ESPN can come in and go, okay, we're gonna do it this way, this way. You know, we've got this guy who's been doing this for twenty five years, as opposed to a kid who's not even twenty-five yet. So there are those things, the nuances. People don't know that. I mean, they just they just want to see it. It doesn't matter to them. They just want it to be good, and that's, that's all fair, but it will get better. You've got, you know. Ten more games to worry about it and in there. And it's still pretty good. Yeah. And then, it's, yeah. It's and then, and and then you can go to next year. And,
4: and, that, and, and as he said, not everybody will listen to what he said, and not everybody has to be – doesn't have to like it, but he, they will get more into it once they get to the off season. Tony Caridi, voice of West Virginia, is going to be on with us tomorrow about their schedule, et cetera, said they got to fix it. You know, And, and he, he had a couple different things he said to me. He'll be on with us tomorrow. So he'll love what I can Takes share with him about the camera as far as the – the, the, how steep it is. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and not immediately, but it will be something that they are look, look, know, they know and they'll, they'll work on. Guys, they don't have concession stands everywhere. There's
2: going to be concession right, stands yeah, yet. No. There's going to be some growing pains, too. But there is,
5: there's also the opinion of people who haven't been there, which mm-hmm. is most of what you read on mm-hmm. social media, because if you read the people who have been there, it's been – pretty positive from everything that I've seen like there's I think I saw one person's like the seats aren't comfortable I mean well but it's not going to be perfect for everybody like there's just some I'm sure there's somebody somewhere who doesn't like the soundtrack during the games I, I matter of fact it's a Baylor crowd I know that for a matter of fact there's somebody <laughs> out there that doesn't like the soundtrack to the games but um, yeah I mean the the camera angle thing though is obvious for people watching at home and, and I think everybody's aware that that's something that needs to improve but um, yeah, it's also very much still a work in progress. So I'm glad that Mac at least addressed it. Didn't just throw middle fingers and say like it and yeah. and have at it or you know like it and and that's all you're going to get. No, they're they're definitely working on it. So that's that's good to hear. Just kind of where they are with all of that.
4: Mike Bean, what was the rush to move into the arena? And Craig asked this question. I had mm-hmm. Mac in studio during the holidays. And the bottom line is they wanted to give at least the senior class or the whoever's not going to be around after this year a chance to play in the arena. Uh, for at least the second semester and on top of that you know and and by the way they were able to by doing this they they now know some of the uh, the hits and the misses or some of the bumps and the bruises that they can work on uh, rather than waiting until what november of next year and the camera is what it is now and they can't tweak it but now they have time to work on it i've looked around being somebody in the media where i sit which is above what is the second half home bench, and and also the basket, and looked around just as somebody that's been in television and saw some things that could be done, and they will figure it out. But I I think it's a great experience. It absolutely, uh, to me, has been. I've been there three times. I've enjoyed every second, and not because I have a credential, because I'm sitting really with regular good people that are fans uh, who are there to watch the game. All right, when we come back, Craig Smoke off the radar this is 365 Sports.
1: Developed by Startup Waco, a nonprofit organization, GXG is a program designed to support the entrepreneurial development of Baylor University student athletes through NIL activations. The program helps student athletes maximize their platforms and offers a comprehensive support system for them to create and grow new businesses that not only benefit themselves but also uplift the local economy. Fans who wish to support student athletes can donate to GXG via the GXG NIL fund baylorbears.com slash gxg contributions to support nil activations through gxg can be made at baylorbears.com slash gxg for more information follow at gxg underscore green x gold on social media and visit the official website www.gxg.startupwaco.com gxg empowering student athlete entrepreneurship and uplifting the local economy through NIL activations. Petty
4: Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called Semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovi. Semaglutide is an FDA approved weight management medication. Once a week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide. Affordable, highly effective. Google Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com.
3: This is Craig Smokes Off the Radar, presented by Alliance Bank. They take pride in making banking easy, AllianceBankTexas.com.
5: All right, welcome into Off the Radar here on 365 Sports. Tuesdays and Thursdays, take a look at a grab bag of stories from around the league, uh, whether it's the NFL and uh, NCAA or, or leagues, I should say, or baseball basketball news when it's of interest but I don't know I feel like we're kind of in that uh, that sweet spot of where there's sort of a slowdown because of the Super Bowl and the fact that there's not NFL games this weekend there's sort of that long slow build to to the Super Bowl here in a couple of weeks and so there's not nearly as much NFL but there is a little bit to get to and that's going to take up the bulk of Uh, This week's edition and for starters, we can uh, begin by telling you not who the next commander's head coach is going to be, but who the next commander's coach will not be and neither will he be the Seahawks head coach. But Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, uh, letting it be known to uh, well, I guess through sources, letting it be known that he plans on staying in Detroit and remaining as their offensive coordinator under Dan Campbell after coming up just short in the NFC championship game. Just a couple of days back, he's 37 years old. He's already been on the carousel a couple of times now, and this year obviously was one of the hotter names, and it looked as though Washington with their new ownership group was – basically all in on him being the next guy or all signs pointed towards him being the next guy from the from the cheap seats, mind you. Maybe in D.C. the talk was a little bit different, but that's who I expected to get announced. And uh, instead, he wants to try and run it back again with Detroit. So the Commanders and Seahawks still in search of a head coach as of this moment. They're
4: going to screw this up.
1: <laughs> well, they're they're, they're, they're going to screw it up. Look,
4: this is just... Give them a By little. By the way, Ben Johnson informed Washington or whoever the contingent was to come see him. They were on their way, according to numerous reports, when he told them he was no longer. They were in
5: flying flight. to go see him. Yeah, they were yeah.
4: on their way to see him, and I think that I'm not trying to. I mean, he they seemed like in a hot air, young yeah. coach, but that's that's a little bit. That's like a college football coach type move, right there.
2: That was uh what's he called the Billy Donovan, where you're the coach of the Magic on mm-hmm. Monday, but on Wednesday yeah. you're you're gone again. No, and um, I have
4: nothing against Ben no, Johnson, and but, good luck to him.
2: But yeah, I um, good for the Lions too. Yeah, it's great for the Lions. Um, I think when you look at both those jobs, there are one you're replacing a legend in Pete Carroll in Seattle. I thought you say Ron Rivera. Yeah, no, and. In the other one, in Washington, you are part of what is going to be the biggest franchise makeover perhaps in the history of of sports recently because the new owners have to make sure that they have a relationship with the fans that's better than Daniel Snyder. They have to start winning games. They've got a new stadium. There's a lot that's going to go in to being the Washington head coach. They might change the name again, like all these things, if that's not where you want to be in your career, I kind of understand that when, you're going to, when you can have options at, at some other point. But sometimes these things do go away. So it's a bold choice for Ben Johnson to decide to turn down the commanders because I would say that in a, in, in a different way because it's not like the, the previous owners of the Cowboys before Jerry Jones had run afoul of the community like Daniel Snyder had. They just weren't winning anymore. Mm-hmm. But it will look very much like that as a let's take this organization and give it a really good polish and once over and remodeling because that's what they need, and they have a lot of alienated fans. So I get maybe not going like, man, this is that's going to be a lot. It is going to be a lot who the first guy into the new ownership group is.
5: Yeah, no, it, it definitely will be. I would I'd say, though, about the alienated fans, all they're asking for is just a little excitement. I mean, yeah. they've been waiting for a couple decades of just drudging through the mud. I mean, in a little brief, oh, there's RG3. And then, boom, just like that, he was he was gone. Uh, like like it never even happened almost. And then here's Kirk Cousins, and that all falls apart. and And so I think the fans definitely became disenchanted and and borderline angry, if not full-blown angry in some cases. But now with a new ownership group, it does feel like a sleeping on clean sheets you know it seems like it's just it's nice everything's new and you just want to get the right pillow now at this point I think to lay your head down at night and be confident that you can get some some rest that things are going well and that that things are being taken care of with your your favorite football team there and that would be the hiring of a great head coach that so you can just say all right I can sleep now I think things are going all in the right directions but instead a little bit more sleepless nights ahead for Washington fans who just want to know who this new head coach for this new era and new ownership group and new quarterback and new everything else is going to be as they also. To pursue a new stadium. So a lot of new going on uh with the Commanders and uh the only thing that they're they're still working on right now basically that's on the the top of the to-do list is getting that head coaching spot taken care of. So that leaves uh still various other candidates even though Ben Johnson is out of the mix, Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald has been uh, somebody talked about interviewing for these jobs and Dan Quinn's still out there guys. I mean, I I'm not going to get excited about Dan Quinn if he is hired as the Washington head coach. I'm going to tell you that right now. That would be a massive disappointment to me. I don't know how y'all view him as a head coach. Um, this is not even because of the Atlanta thing. I just feel like, I don't know, hiring the Cowboys defensive coordinator, I'm not against that because it's the Cowboys, but he just doesn't excite me, um, I guess. And and so, uh, I don't know. How would you feel about Dan Quinn from your standpoint? I mean, it, I I don't know who there's a head coach I'm going to get super excited about. I started talking I, myself into Ben Johnson because he's just younger and here's the Lions' own success, but now that's off the table, obviously. So I don't really have a choice, but that doesn't get me going when I hear Dan Quinn necessarily. Grant
4: Paulson covers Washington, has for a long time. Uh, somebody mentioned it was disastrous that he's staying in Detroit. Uh, the candidates now are Mike McDonald.
5: Yeah, just mentioned. Yeah,
4: Anthony Weaver, Aaron Glenn, former Aggie, who's now at Detroit. Dan Quinn and Bobby Slovey.
2: I mean, that's like...
4: I, I, I did not get goosebumps. I, and I like... Darren Glenn would be cool, but I, I none of them brought in that. No, ooh. Look, I
2: and I think if you're going to... The other thing you got to think about... Is you've got a if you have a defensive head coach, you better have a cool offensive coordinator because you're probably drafting a quarterback at number two. I mean, yep. it, and if you don't, uh, it says what you think about what's a pretty good uh, quarterback class at the top, but you're probably drafting a quarterback at number two. So uh, there is all that. But the the reaction I got from you guys on Dan Quinn as the head coach was like, okay, what are the specials? And it's like uh, boiled eggs. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah like man, it's well, I coming. Mean, I'll eat field, a boiled man. egg, but like. I don't want the special at the restaurant like what do you <laughs>
4: I mean a lot of, how many coaches have been hired like 3 or 4 or 5 yeah it, it, and they're here they are you know it's it's they're just sitting there at some time someone will fall in your lap maybe that happens somebody might open up that you don't think is there right now but it's it's we're about to go to the Super Bowl week and most of the time there used to be this verboten of anything announced during the week of the Super Bowl and I think maybe somebody popped that so I don't know if they don't have anybody by Sunday, will they announce anybody at all next week in Las Vegas?
5: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you would hope that gets done done soon. That would be a nice place to break it. Or do you wait for it all to be over with so then you get the front seat of having all of the attention when everything inevitably dies down after the season's over with? Uh, I could see that being the case as well. But, yeah, you would like to start planning for the draft where you've got the number two overall pick in the and combine. And yeah. The fact starts. that you've got uh, Senior Bowl and all these different things going on. So, anyways, the commanders and um, – and Seahawks will not uh, be uh, will not be uh, helmed by uh, Detroit's OC next season as their head coach. So they move on, and the search continues. Uh, Jerry Jones was out at the Reese's Senior Bowl, and there've been a couple of headlines coming out of that. But uh, basically, was asked uh, you know quite a bit about Mike McCarthy and bringing him back, and uh, he wanted to talk about you know, how they plan on making it different. And he said, uh, instead of, you know, playing in that game and, and losing, how do they go about getting the win next time around when they're in the playoffs? He said, we need to stop the run better. We need to be more physical and we need to run better to be specific. We need to do, those kinds of things. I thought we made a pretty good move four years ago when we hired McCarthy. He's had great in-season success. Now he's come up short three times and advanced us in the playoff. But I like the fact that he's hanging around the rim, and I like what the team has done to hang around the rim. So I think the answer what I would have is I'm aware we're hanging around the rim. We're not getting the ball in, but when you hang around the rim... Uh, where we are right now with the players we got, I'm thinking about it from the whole look. So he feels like they're close, is what his he, message is, and he's also uh, letting you know you're why. Like the McCarthy's Mavericks back. or the Cowboys. <laughs> well, I mean, you get the analogy, I, I, yeah, they're I, close. They're just trying to tip it in at this point, but are they that close in his eyes? Are they really that close, or is that just in his eyes? He, so you know, he also said that they're building. For, they're not
2: building for the future. Yes. They're going to go for to it. Get the get people that. are going to yep. see them coming. Um, now, look to that end. They are currently $19 million over the cap. And if they're going to go for it... Which means nothing. Yeah. um, The restructure DAC for the The restructure (laughs) DAC. Yeah, it means nothing. It means nothing until you need it to mean something. But um, it means nothing right now. But that means they've got to... In their go for it plans to restructure, that means they gotta restructure Dak and restructure Zach Martin and get Micah Parsons extension done essentially. Like all these things like you have to do or or C D Lamb, all the ones that are coming up, or try to get Micah and C D to like hold off on that for a minute so that they can go for it and say, like, listen, we'll get you done next off season, but this off season we're gonna do this. But extending Dak means committing to Dak for at least another two years. Mm-hmm. At least another two years. And then dealing with the salary cap ramifications at dead money, well off in the future. Like you said, Smokey, it doesn't mean anything. They can push it off into the future. They did it before. They didn't win anything because of that. They got no, no team got caught more flat footed by the salary cap than the Cowboys did. I mean, they, they, they really did. And they are still shell shocked by it. Stephen Jones has been that like the absolute, um, kaiser of the cap and doesn't let them take any risks with it and so now they're gonna to have to skew that for a while if that's the plan that jerry really wants to do or because he knows that like there's only two two options here it is go for it with the team that you have pretty much built right now that's won 36 games in the last three regular seasons the second most in the league and not but one playoff game or you have to pull the plug that's the
5: two options they have yeah, he said, I would anticipate we'll be all in at the end of this year. Uh, we will be all in. Um, it will be going all in on different people than you've done in the past. Uh, we've seen some things out of some of the players that we want to be all in on. I would say that you will see us come this coming year not build it for the future. It's the best way I've ever said, and that ought to answer a lot of questions. So they're all uh, in.
4: Okay, my, my whole thing is why does he say anything?
5: Uh, because he's at the senior bowl and he's got a pool of reporters around him yeah, that are I mean, asking him just, questions. Just,
4: but I know it's almost as if, let me scratch the itches that are out there the last couple of weeks since we lost.
5: Well, and what's it done for them, except for keep them relevant for 30 years when they haven't always been yep. respectable enough to be relevant? I mean, that's part of being the Cowboys. It's like, why does, you know, Brian Cashman talk. Well, it's the Yankees and you've got to address the public especially when you got a big following like they do. So, there's Jerry and he's not going to miss an opportunity to promote and talk in front of the media and be the center of attention either. So, I think that's pretty clear and so there you go. That's just uh, some interesting comments from the senior bowl which is a uh, Underway. Um, So, all right, uh, you've got elsewhere the fact that you had these past couple of playoff games, uh, the ratings coming out of these playoff games, and fair to say that they were absolutely massive. Uh, Once again, when you think about uh, just the brands involved, and yes, there is the uh, Taylor Swift factor in at least one of those games as well, but uh, man, nearly 57 million tuning into the NFC Championship game, Lions and 49ers, which was up uh, 7% from last year's ASC Championship game that was uh, in that window, and so nearly 60 million people tuning in for uh, the Lions to get that big lead, and uh, then basically... Uh, lose it along the way. I mean that was that was pretty brutal to watch. You're waiting for Detroit to just connect on something and it just kept uh, slowly leaking or maybe quickly leaking uh, from your vantage point, but nearly 57 57- Million people, fifty-six point six nine for Lions and Forty uh this past weekend. Uh, so you had that for the NFC, and then over on the AFC side of things, Chiefs over the Ravens, fifty-five point four seven million viewers. Uh, first time since two thousand fourteen that both the conference title games averaged more than fifty million viewers a piece, and uh, it was made mentioned by, or it was mentioned by. Several of the outlets that uh, they have, the, like the same day Nielsen reporting and all that in effect now. But, yeah, uh, biggest audience for the NFC title game since 2012. Uh, Giants and 49ers had 57-plus million. Um, but, yeah, pretty healthy numbers uh, for both of those title games uh, the other night. So there you go, monster NFL ratings, and expecting 100 million-plus for the Super Bowl. As that's become commonplace now. So, But I am interested uh, to see what kind of a number when you've got Swift – and Mahomes and Kelsey and all the attention being placed there. And then obviously the Niners in a big market and uh, with a lot of star power themselves and a rematch subplot to this all, um, they should, I mean, it's the Super Bowl. It's going to get big numbers anyway, but those are healthy coming out of the last weekend. Yeah.
4: It's, the NFL's undefeated. They're just,
2: they're just a juggernaut. And, there's nothing else that can that can compete with it.
5: Not in this and, country, no. Not in this. And country. I don't know really wherever many else. I don't. I don't know the ratings internationally, but I can't yeah. imagine there's too many others that are pulling in, you know, fifty-seven million viewers on a regular basis for their sporting events. But maybe in like India with cricket or something. Maybe it's like a yeah. hundred million. I don't know. But here in America, football is king, especially the NFL, and that's pretty clear coming out of this well, weekend.
2: Well, and look, the uh, the thing that uh, we have more than maybe any other countries, is we have we have maybe more sports that people watch than, than a lot of places. Like in Europe, it's kind of focused to two or three things. Like in, in India, it's like two things, it's soccer and cricket, you know? So Mm -hmm. like you have gigantic population in India that watches two sports in America, we watch like six sports, uh, but in all to varying degrees, but football is the one we like the most. And like, that's clear enough. So, um, I think that's what, that's why it's maybe jumps out a little bit more because, you know, you can, People may or may not watch baseball. They may or may not watch basketball, but football has more casual fans than all of the rest of them combined. Mm-hmm.
5: So, yeah, pretty healthy numbers there and, and big numbers, as you would expect, for the NFL. I just like mention those in passing, especially when uh, we get huge um, huge returns and uh, two conference title games, both over 50 million, doesn't happen all of the time. Meanwhile, just to note uh, locally here on former Baylor basketball star Keontae George, I saw earlier today where he was named – uh, to play in the Rising Stars uh, event at the NBA All-Star weekend. And it's taken on different uh, iterations. It was a rookie challenge back in the mid-'90s when it first started. That's what it was known as. It was just a rookie challenge, and it was that for, like, 15 years. And then it was the Rising Stars challenge, and they had a couple of different uh, types of events. You had Barkley, Team Chuck, and Team Shaq going at each other, for example. Um, but now it's like everything else in the NBA. It's a tournament-style tournament style uh, Event uh, there during All Star Weekend, you get twelve rookies, you get twelve sophomores, you get uh, a nearly a handful of G League Ignite players, and then they get drafted into teams. And I just feel like the NBA's is trying really hard to make things interesting because everything's like a tournament, and there's drafts for the tournaments, and then there's like these—I don't know—it's just there's a lot of. It used to be an all-star game where here's a three-point contest, but they've tried to find ways to make it more interesting. So the Rising Stars Challenge has uh, taken on uh, different faces, but Keontae George will be a part of it this year, the rookie from Baylor for the Utah Jazz. So uh, excited for him to have that honor. And final note here, uh, just because this is Paul-related, Justin Turner, who played last with the Red Sox, signing a one-year deal uh, with the Toronto Blue Jays. 13, a great
4: pickup for Toronto. thirteen million yes. base
5: salary for the thirty nine year old and a million and a half in potential bonuses there as well. So just wanted to throw that in there for but, Paul here to get but, to a little baseball talk. His spring training's gonna start get going here pretty yeah. soon.
2: Best guy in the clubhouse, like the you know, the unifier of everybody. Everybody loves Justin Turner. He's you know, he's gonna do wonder like he's gonna go into the Toronto that's got a lot of young stars and they're gonna see them rally and they're gonna be like, You know what what changed my life was meeting Justin Turner, this beautiful red bearded son of a gun. I love him, and they're gonna say that and the Red Sox gonna got him for thirteen million and the look. When I I hear Fenway Sports Group is going to spend $3 billion to invest in the PGA and Mookie Betts cost too much money, I just know where this ownership group is headed and what they care about. It's other things. It's not the Red Sox, and it's definitely not me. When they should care about
5: me. Well, they gave uh, Red Sox fans a few World Series here recently, so uh, they're not quite as under pressure as they once were. I can only imagine how... Boiling hot that would be right now had they not won some World Series and still had the streak going on. But that's that's dead and done, and uh, they've more than made up for it. But yeah, right now that's probably not the the greatest news for a Red Sox fan. But that's notable on a an otherwise pretty slow day for the most part when it comes to uh, interesting stories. But uh, you do have the Super Bowl coming up, so there's a few things off the radar.
4: All right, uh, very well done. We will come back and look at the basketball night from last night and also tonight's schedule in the Big Twelve and Top Twenty Five uh it's uh it, it's kind of it is kind of a calm before the storm with the week off and then next week is another full week where then you have Super Bowl week in Vegas and the game's not until a week from Sunday a long long way to get there but it's about to converge a lot uh, the the energy which is there anyway Vegas may be one of those cities where you could host the Super Bowl and yes it's a huge game But it might be one of those cities where you could host an event like that and you don't even know it's there. Like Miami? Miami. They kind of go about their business. Oh, yeah, the Super Bowl. It'll be a big deal because it's the first time Vegas will host it. Uh, L.A., maybe that way, which they hosted it just, what, two or three years ago. When we come back, we'll look at the basketball result from last night and the Big 12, discuss the standings, also the Big 12 schedule, more news and notes on that. And this is 365 Sports. Marco's Pizza. Pizza lovers get it. They have that, uh, that that cheesy bread with habanero, and you have ghost peppers and more, and North Carolina Reaper. She, it, it's loaded up with spicy. If you like it, that's what you like. You let a little heat. I can't do that as much because it seems like I'll get heartburn pretty quickly. But if you like heat, They have the new treat at Marco's Pizza, and they're using the Waco Market as a test drive with the cheesy bread loaded up with some spicy cheese, including North Carolina Reaper. And then on top of that, you can go online, order your pizza as you want. Five locations in Waco, Bell Mead, China Spring, Woodway, Hewitt, and also in Robinson. Bob Mock is the owner at Marco's Pizza. He reached out to me and told me about, hey, we got this cheesy bread offer that's Waco. It's, it's, they're testing the Waco market. So if you live in the Waco market and you like spice, again, habanero, North Carolina Reaper, and it's available, jalapeno, available to you. Go to Marcos Pizza to order what you want when it comes to pizza, sandwiches, salads, wings, soft drinks, more. Marcos Pizza. Pizza lovers get it. Marcos.com.
5: How did Edward Jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world? By not acting that way. Financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference. And that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250, Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
3: Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle. We move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Ring in the new year with unbeatable savings on the new 2023 Ram trucks during the the wrap-up-the-year sales event at Allen Samuels in Waco. Take advantage of this limited-time opportunity and start the new year in style. Shop our great selection in-store or online today. Samuels House of Travel is a full-service travel
2: agency with highly experienced travel consultants, plus support staff with over a combined 150 years in the travel business. They are ready to take care of any travel situation for you, your family, and your business. And with a kind of knowledge to complete a seamless itinerary trip, start to finish. They will search for the best deal to accommodate your budget from air to cars, ship to shore, hotel and even meeting space. Name a destination and they've been there. They know the places to go in an international and missionary travel is one of their unique specialties. Alan Samuels, House of Travel, celebrating 50 years in business. Call Connie, Sherry, Linda, or Bambi at 254-776-2560 or find them on Facebook or at houseoftravelwaco.com.
3: This is 365 Sports powered by Sikkim365.com.
1: The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Brad Wilson. Investing his time and experience back to you and your money during today's changing times. Edward Jones, making sense of investing.
3: Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Here we go, 365 Sports. We're going to go back and look a little bit more at
4: the Big 12 schedule, discuss some of the uh, ins and outs, the quirks, if you see. We've had guests that cover Houston, Oklahoma State, BYU. Steven Johnson, who covers TCU, asked if he could be moved to another day. We'll do that and get him on to look at what the Frogs have ahead of them. Uh, I saw an article in the com about Colorado having uh, kind of a meat grinder of a schedule with what they have going into their first year or first year back when it comes to the Big 12 since, what was it, 2010. But here is uh, men's basketball. Last night in Austin, we discussed this game. It went overtime. We discussed this with Joseph Duarte, Duarte, who was there. Nice win for Houston, and he went on the road in the Big 12. This thing got a little dicey, but uh, Houston wins. They play ferocious defense. Texas has scored more in a game against them this year than anybody else. But the Cougars, with experience, a very good team. They are now in the conference at 6-2, and two, even with Texas Tech, who's playing, and we'll get to that tonight, uh, who's 5-1 and one and playing tonight.
2: Yeah, Houston um, holding off Texas. That would have been a massive win uh, for the Longhorns, who didn't have a top 75 win until they beat Baylor. And then they got another one right after that. Uh, and then now they're kind of back. I, I just... The Texas team is, they're just going to play with their fans' emotions all year long because they're going to have some big wins. And then they're, they just kind of a little bit uh, like Baylor in that, like, I, they have a lot of good parts, but I don't know how they, like, work together as a group. Like, it just, it would seem to me that that should work better, but they don't, they haven't figured out what the best way to win games, uh, you know, back to back to back, you know, put together a run is because when you've got, uh Desu and ace and mitchell and um oh my gosh uh tyrese hunter like that's four dudes that can kind of take over games in ace yeah i said ace first but like okay we've got four dudes that can take over games in different ways and then you have some good pieces that work around them but they just they're just not consistent
5: yeah i mean it was a really nice win for houston and good for them i mean they are definitely bringing some firepower to a league that already had a lot of it. And I do think you can look at football and say, here's where you're missing out on Oklahoma and Texas. Or you can look at baseball and see where you take a ding there. And you can look at, like, okay, you're not going to be hanging Big 12 championship banners uh, under the national title, you know, when it comes to softball as much as you were, or gymnastics and things like that, of course. But I do think in basketball – bringing in a Houston, bringing in a BYU. You know, we'll see with Arizona and, and some of the others, but I do think that you don't miss too much of a beat. Um, I really don't. And so I think that Houston going and getting a win against Texas is uh, just a really nice W for them, but also uh, continues on what's been a – what could have been a really great year. They got so close to beating them in football at, at home, and it was just – couldn't finish the job. But, um, yeah, I bet that feels good to beat them. And, you know, you're not going to be able to play them in conference games in, in a sport like men's basketball or any other moving forward. So, yeah, nice win uh, so long as your Big 12 rivals this one year. So,
4: tonight, Texas Tech, who leads the way with Grant McCaslin, great job. Uh, they're, they're tough as nails, too, on the road against TCU, who just won one in three overtimes at Baylor. Oklahoma, they're kind of hanging inside that top 25, lost to Texas – uh, about a week ago and then uh, then now at Kansas State boy Jerome Tang and his team they've had some drama around them with the uh, Iowa State game on the road and some of the accusations and so that's that's a doozy Kansas State needs to win but so does OU and Oklahoma State which is of course at the bottom at one and six a play at Kansas coming off a loss they'll be angry at the Allen Fieldhouse and of course they have Houston coming up on Saturday
2: yeah um you, you know, if Kansas loses to Oklahoma State tonight, they they're gonna have uh, are to. Are you really... serious? I, I mean, want to
5: set up an interview with your wife if that happens. Yeah, uh, I, I want it on the show tomorrow, three thirty. You'll hear you'll hear some words. Huh, yeah, I'll tell well, you that. I welcome We're, it. We're, We're YouTube. On the we can do
2: it. Yeah, yeah. bring no, her on.
4: Um, but body uh, mouth. Uh, but yeah, on no, the text I mean,
2: like this this needs to be a get right game before you're gonna have a really tough one. And they're not losing uh, on Saturday. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, look, I'm just telling you. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know when I've got when I've got my wife uh, doubting Bill Self, which literally has never happened.
4: You know, I, I wonder. Like, is is Armageddon next? She's so frustrated that she started to celebrate other teams losing, and that's what teams that don't win she, very often do. And yet, it's KU basketball. I know the standard. Yeah. I get it. All right, so there's the conference. Go, Mike Boynton. Be a great win for Oklahoma State and. Uh, in the top 25, there's a lot of games tonight. South Carolina at number five, Tennessee. There's the network they're on to the right. North Carolina keeps rolling along with Hubert Davis. They're tonight playing at Georgia Tech. Marquette at Villanova and a good one in the Big East. Illinois at Ohio State on Peacock. I'm sure there's a lot of <gasps> clutch the pearls with that. Um,
5: Shouldn't be. I mean, at this point, the NFL's been doing the Peacock thing for a while. Plenty of sports have. Big Ten was doing it. Uh, It's doing it. Um, It's the cheapest of the streamers uh, that I've found and actually a pretty good library. So I actually think Peacock is pretty okay bang for your buck, uh, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, I I mean, it's much better than uh, paying $16 for, uh, like, Amazon Prime. I know there's other things to that, but if it was just the TV part, I don't feel like I'm getting my bang for my buck. You're, uh, you're
2: not excited about uh, season five of Love, no, or whatever it is. No, yeah. no, I don't want to watch the
5: Lord of the Rings show, <laughs> even though I liked that growing up. Yeah. But no, I, I don't really. I mean, the boys is great, but it's not on all the time. So they, they have some. So I, I'm just saying that I think Peacock for the price that you can get and the content, it's actually a pretty good deal. Yeah,
4: I think part Isn't of that, that just, where Yellowstone is.
5: Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, for now, like it's on two
2: different ones, but yes, the Yellowstone Paramount. Is, Paramount and that it's I don't know, it's weird. Yeah. Rights issues. It was it it's so strange how those things happen. But yeah, they um you know, yeah, that you're right, Craig. As far as like going on and watching something, you can go on that and, and I, watch a bunch of stuff yeah, and they used got to, good
5: movies on there and used to pay for wb Network, it was more than Peacock, and then yeah. Peacock's got that and all the other stuff. So I'm not advertising for them. I've just noticed yeah. that like that one I get a little mileage out of uh, for my dollar spent, well, I mean, for like little paper for, cuts for, with for, all these for, streaming
2: costs, yeah. But for four ninety nine, if you're gonna, you know, do it yeah. for sports, like it's, it's way better than a lot of them. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. and they're they're still trying to get I, their feet under them.
4: I told you about the series on Netflix that I, I hadn't watched a series since Yellowstone, and of course that's been off a while. Um, but what was the name of that? Fool Me Once? I think yeah. is the name of the series, which was fantastic. But I, I'm starting to wonder if if I. If I'm going down that road, but uh, you just get paper cuts. The well, next thing you know, you get three dollars here, seven dollars here, twelve dollars here, and if you're not careful, which you know like, you're, you're adding it up,
2: um, which is why Valley Sports failed because they're like, "Hey, how about thirty dollars a month?" And you're yeah, like, "For no, no. Not doing that. for, for no. what? Well, well they're they're not like do it." No, you know, like if if somebody's going to charge me thirty dollars a month, I should be able to see almost anything I wanted to watch in any genre. Yeah, yeah. 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 you know,
4: <laughs> George Washington Dayton that game is a, a late tip at uh, eight o'clock on ESPN Plus. There's San Jose State, Utah State, and San Diego State. One of the great stories last year, they're I think they're like sixteen and five. They're still good, but they need some wins on the road against twenty fourth ranked Colorado State. That game's on the CBS Sports Network. Those are the top twenty five games. In college basketball, coming up this year, from
5: this uh, this evening. season,
4: this evening, Kansas, TCU, Kansas State, Baylor, BYU, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Texas. Now three and five in UCF, a clump of three and four and four and threes. With Texas now dropping to three and five, it is it is unbelievable. I mean, it's like a blur. But at the top now, with Texas Tech playing tonight, Houston, and Texas Tech, and also Iowa State with a great win at home against Kansas. When we come back, 365 Sports around the corner, Paul's top five. Back in a moment. Thanks for your time. Hit the like button if you don't mind. Subscribe if you haven't. And this is 365 Sports. Don Shimador and Coffee Beans, I went by there today. Uh, Carol was not there. Ashley and Cheyenne were there. Uh, Every year when we go to the Super Bowl, they want to send us there with a box of cigars, and so I'll go back later in the week. Uh, Ashley was trying to figure out what she wants to send with us to Vegas. I also bought a bottle, a new bottle of Vita Dreams. That's the CBD product gummies that I take, uh, not every night, but I, I have really gotten to the point where you take a gummy or a half a gummy or a gummy and a half, it depends on what, what you have on your mind, and the next thing you know, you do fall asleep sooner, It's not like you're drugged. It's not like you're knocked out. It's not that feeling. You lay down when you're ready to go to sleep, and the next thing you know, you are asleep, and you wake up whenever you do at some point, maybe the next morning, and save yourself 15, 30 minutes or an hour or more when it comes to tossing and turning. They have a 48-foot walking humidor loaded up with Rocky Patel, Uh, Padrone, Cohiba, Ashton, Macanudo, Romeo and Julieta, Arturo Fuente, all of the great brands, and more of cigars. Carol, Ashley, Cheyenne, and also Don Chimador and Coffee Beans in the Town West Shopping Center in between Richland Drive and Valley Mills in Waco. Are you ready to elevate your Waco experience to a whole new level? Look no further than the Baylor Club, where you can indulge in one-of-a-kind luxury and unwind in our exclusive lounge area. Located in the heart of McLean Stadium, this elite club offers five-star member atmosphere for all your work and play needs. With a master culinary team and outstanding hospitality, we take pampering to a whole new level. Weddings, milestones, businesses, and birthdays. A stadium roaring with bear spirit featuring stunning city skyline views, the Baylor Club truly has it all. The Baylor Club is the destination for Baylor basketball, pregame meals, beverages, with this special membership offer. If you mention Sikkim 365 or 365 Sports Radio, just ask for John or Devin for details. For interest in membership or your next private event, call 254-710-8080 or Google Baylor Club Linktree for more information on menus, calendars, upcoming special events. Say yes to the Baylor Club today. 254 254- Or 7108080 or Google Baylor Club Linktree.
3: In Texas,
7: there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop
2: by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation.
0: Thank you for calling your local Marcos Pizza. We're turning up the heat with our new Reaper Cheesy Bread. Fresh, house-made dough is topped with a spicy cheese blend infused with jalapeno, habanero, and Carolina Reaper peppers. At only $5.99, this limited-time product is a hot
1: deal. Add it to your order while you can. A Marcos team member will be with you shortly.
4: Marcos Pizza. Pizza lovers get it, and that offer on the Reaper Cheesy Bread is available right now at any of the five Marcos Pizza locations in Waco, including Bellmead, China Spring, Robinson. Woodway and Hewitt order online at marcos.com call for a pickup or delivery Marcos pizza is turning up the heat with their all new Reaper cheesy bread with fresh hot house-made dough topped with a spicy cheese blend infused with jalapeno habanero and Carolina Reaper peppers and only $5.99 and for a limited time only Marcos pizza the fastest growing pizza brand in America five locations in Waco and the new
3: Reaper cheesy bread Marcos pizza pizza lovers get it This is 365 Sports. Are you a Sikkim 365 superfan? Then try out our premium subscriptions at Sikkim365.com. All right, here we go,
4: 365 Sports. Again, one of the big news stories today. Finally, with the uh, changes in the Big 12, with OU Texas out, with the four schools coming in, plus the others that joined last year, they released their schedule. We've kind of gone through that again with analysts of the teams they cover and also more to come tomorrow, Thursday, and also on Friday. Um, it, it, it took so long, and we've discussed this with Mac before, it took so long because there were so many moving parts. And other conferences have released theirs, but they had the opponents. They just did not have the dates. And, of course, as you mentioned, the Labor Day set up, But was there anything else, Craig, that you saw from the Big 12 release, Paul, from what you saw the Big 12 release? To me, my whole thing is, and we've kind of touched on this, I don't know who has a good schedule and who doesn't. You can have that opinion because that's fine based on who somebody was last year or who they've been. But the one thing we know, and I don't know if this continues, but the one thing we know about the Big 12 is that, Two teams that will be overlooked will be right in the middle of the race. I'm talking to play for the championship. How many other conferences does that really happen, and will that be nullified even more so because the lack of divisions and everything is straight up a standings? Um, I don't know. Like, you know, look, the the cream's going to rise to the
2: top. I mean, the SEC probably – you know, year one of the new one will probably be the most where they've got a, a big block of teams that are going to be there that you, you know, nobody's really going to sneak up on anybody, I, I wouldn't think, um, especially knowing what you, you know about the, how teams have done at the transfer portal and all that. But. Um, yeah, the Big 12 is the one that's the most wide open right now because you, know, you look at the ACC, which, you know, as far as like program to program talent wise is the is the most on par with the Big 12 right now. They still have Florida State and Clemson right there at the top. So unless, you know, one of those other teams, Miami, North Carolina, NC State, like Virginia Tech get good. Uh, next year, and start shaking the the tree a little bit then then that 's probably going can happen in that league, but in the big twelve, we genuinely do not know how this is going to work out because you know we don't there's not been a team left that's ever been a consistent alpha in this league it's not that, or in any league that they've ever been in so the the teams that have come in the eight teams that have come in minus the teams that have gone out, none of them. Uh, in this league, have had consistent years where they are dominating their lone league. Like they've they've had good little stretches here and there, but nobody has had you know five years where they're you know straight where they're winning conference titles. It just doesn't exist for these teams. So, who can be that consistent? We have no idea because no one in the league has ever done that before.
4: That's a good point with the ones with Oklahoma because they were the consistent. Other teams have had winning stretches or whatever. But, yeah, nobody's been able to, like, own the conference for very long because Oklahoma did for a while. Texas had their run, and then everybody else had their run for maybe two to five years.
5: I mean, honestly, Baylor's come the closest to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I mean, it's not – I don't think that's really debatable as far as their stretch that started in 2013. I know there was that dip, but as far as winning back-to-back conference titles, nobody else can talk about that except for, what, Oklahoma, right? I mean, back-to-back. Um and then to go and win it or play for it again a few years later and then win it again in 2021. I mean, three and that nine-year stretch is about as close. And and not to mention that what happened in the middle of that stretch, uh, all hell broke loose. The program was nearly shuttered, mm-hmm. death penalty talk, coach fired, huge scandal, all that. That was the, the thing that interrupted the run. For all we know, we could have been talking about another couple – Big 12 championships, the way they were setting up, because they were just getting gassed up to go in recruiting. I mean, Mm -hmm. that was finally starting to turn the corner to where they were about to start getting top 25, 30 recruiting classes on a regular basis. And and now, as you see, um, most every successful offense, uh, or I guess uh, most of the successful teams that you see um, on any given Saturday nowadays, or Sunday even, (laughs) a lot of them are running – Branches of that same type of offense, and it's all come around to where the NFL it was taboo. Like, oh my god, like that that these receivers don't know the route tree and right. this and that. And now it's like you you're banging down the door for that same type of, of player, maybe a little bit more well versed in the X's and O side of it than those guys were uh, under that uh, old Baylor system, but point remains that what was like a gimmicky offense or a whatever is now bread and butter for a lot of teams on Sundays. So, uh, yeah, I think that they came the closest to doing it uh, for a team not named uh, Oklahoma really, but obviously Kansas State's jumped up and had their fair share of titles at this point. Oklahoma State's flirted with it about as much as anybody um, to not have more than they, they already have, so I think those are good – Uh, starting points. TCU's obviously had recent success, and that's a a goldmine of a place that any given year they could be really good. Um, And then, you know, you mentioned Utah. Uh, We don't know how good Colorado might be in year 200 Dion. So yeah, there's just a lot of uncertainties. West Virginia, can they keep the momentum building? And I do think it makes for a very unpredictable but fun league. It doesn't mean that you're going to probably birth a lot of national champions although the field now extending to be the 14-team or the 12-team playoff will uh, almost undoubtedly include a big 12-team. I think the thing I'm most curious about is not that it will, won't will be competitive or not that it won't be a, a wild card every Saturday or any of those things. I'm just wondering, is there going to be teams be able to really push the limit towards a national title anymore? You wonder um, it, Is it, TCU the last one to get to that end yep. stage? Uh, that's what I wonder about the most with this because you're not going to – have the old days of everybody playing everybody, and it's a lot of teams that are just kind of being thrown together in some ways, and that part of it is is different and going to take some getting used to, but I look long-term, and that's what I think about. I think is, is there going to be a national title contender, not just make the playoff because that will happen every year for the most part, almost every year it should happen, uh, but beyond that, what does that look like?
4: Do any of the incoming four have they been that close to being in the playoffs since 2014? Utah's had a run. They've had a run within the conference, but were they ever knocking on the door? And I don't want to say no because maybe there was a couple of years ago or so where there was a loss that got away, but Colorado has it, Arizona has it, and, and neither has Arizona State. And then when you look at the Big 12, the ones who are left, uh, Houston hasn't.
5: Uh, Colorado did win a title, but that was also 30 th- years ago. UCF
4: so. uh, obviously had their year with Frost when they went undefeated, but that wasn't a part of they weren't going to get in because of just the way things were set up. Baylor, a couple of different times, could have been a part of the playoff. TCU was, as you mentioned, and they could have been in 14 and maybe another year right after that. Oklahoma State had that year when they blew it. Like It was right before maybe the playoff began in the early 2010s. Kansas State? It wasn't the playoff time, but when they came into Baylor, they were unbeaten, number one in the country. They had a team, the 1998 Kansas State. Mm-hmm. So there's been teams that have risen up to that, and then there's um, the Kansas or Texas Tech. They have not. Um uh, doesn't mean they haven't had teams nine, 2008 with Tech, but they weren't in that discussion despite being in that three crazy triangle of UT, Oklahoma, and also Texas Tech. Iowa State, no. Uh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, we can't forget what they did. They
5: were in the playoffs. Two,
4: three yeah. years ago when they made the run with Luke Fickle. And I hope I'm not forgetting somebody else that is a part of that I mix, mean, yeah, a part of the conference.
5: We go over the last 30 years. I mean, teams have jumped up and had successful years here and there, and a few have scratched the surface. But TCU, I mean, they, they were in it. And they did. were there and just yep. ran into a, a team that just they were no match for uh, in really any way, shape, or form in Georgia. And is that as close as anybody gets from here on out? Um, because my concern for teams not in the SEC or Big Ten, and I don't even include everybody in those conferences because I'm not going to give the same level of respect to some of those teams like Northwestern and, I mean, give me a break, comparing that to like Ohio State and, and those types of brands. But um, is anybody able to not just get into the playoff, which we know will happen every year, there should be a Big 12 team in there. The year that there's not, I mean, I would – I can't imagine what went wrong where that wasn't the case, unless it's gotten to the point where the top two have so bullied their way into so many spots. But still, the Big 12 champ's going to be in the freaking playoff. I mean, that's mm. that goes, I think, without saying. But can you win multiple games? Can you get back to the national title game? Who's going to be built for that? And is there ever going to be more be, than
4: one team in the 12 of the big 12?
5: I would think so. I, I I know Garrett shakes his head and I understand why, um, but I do think it's, it, there's a chance. I don't think it's, I don't think it's something you can say, no, that'll never happen. That's what I'll say. I don't think you can say no, that that will never happen because I do think there might be certain years where that's possible. Now, will it take some uh, things happening? Yeah, probably. Cause no, they're not going to get two just on the benefit of being a strong league. I'll agree with him there, uh, whereas if you're, like, the fourth best team in the SEC, they'll be saying, well, if they were in the Big 12, they'd be 12-0, and yeah, and we'll yeah. hear that whole BS, but, you know, some years it's probably true. Some years Ole Miss is maybe the top two, if not the top team in the Big 12. I mean, we'll see how it goes, Well, especially when you're about to have even more advantages than you already had before, which is, I don't know, like an extra $30 million per year in your bank accounts that you get to play with to go buy players, so... That is going to be an advantage that I don't know how you overcome that. And when you're able to do that, the grind of playing potentially, what, four more games... In a postseason, that's where I see that that's going to be a, a tough climb for any Big 12 team the way the current setup is right now. Win a game or two, yeah, but go and win the whole thing, that's yeah. that's hard to imagine. That's going to be
4: uh, – that, that, if you do, God bless you, man. You, you gotta, you're you got going to go down as one of the greatest of all time if you can run the table or get to that point because you got to win a couple of extra games. Kim Coulter, thank you for the super chat about the tee off. Not much better than listening to the show. 365 Sports While Playing Golf. Hit them straight. Make some putts. Stay out of the hazards. Thank you, Kim, very much for your time. When we come back, Paul Catalina and the Top 5.
3: It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5, brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top 5 toughest schedules of the Big 12. Suggested
2: by Emory Winter. And by suggested, I mean he really strong-armed me into this. He came over, he like, he muscled me up. It was not, it was not a pretty sight. You guys, I'm glad you didn't have to see that. You would have lost. He made you look really weak. Yeah. You would have lost a lot of respect for me. It's just, uh, I'll just, but I'm telling you about it, but it's not, a, anyway. Number five, TCU. Uh, this one, um, look, Dave, at Stanford, we don't know about Stanford, but, uh, you know, UCF with KJ Jefferson is going to be interesting, you know, throwing an non con game at SMU, a rivalry at Kansas, um, Houston, who we don't know about, but at Utah, Tech at home, uh, Oklahoma State, uh, Arizona, all on the schedule for TCU this year, the way it falls. That's um, a particularly, look, to me, tough run of coaches early on when you get Malzahn, then you get Rhett Lashley, then you get Lance Leipold, and then you get Willie Fritz before a buy, and then after the buy, uh, oh, let's see if we get somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. Oh, no, it's Kyle Whittingham. So, like... Um, Josh Neighbors was on Triple Offs with me yesterday, and he made this point about looking at the schedule. He said, right now you can't really look at what the teams are going to be because we really have no idea. But if you want to look at the toughest stretches, who are the toughest stretches of coaches? And that, to me, is a pretty tough stretch of coaches.
4: Yep, that's a good one. Uh, you, as you were naming them up, I'm like, okay, that's going to be done. And then, no. And then you bring up Utah at the end hey, of
2: all that. I Look, and I didn't even mention that after Utah is Joey McGuire, Dave Aranda, Mike Gundy, uh, all back to back to back. I'm just saying, like, to start that out, like they've got a good run of of guys who've had success.
5: Yeah, they get a late bye week, so they'll have that in like mid-November and only have a couple of games after that bye week, I guess, to lick their wounds. But then that still is going to Morgantown and then hosting Utah. So, yeah, that's a pretty tough-looking schedule. I haven't had time to pour through all of these. And like you say, we don't even know who's going to be good or not. I mean, we got a loose idea, but um, as far as how formidable are they really, that remains to be seen. But, yeah, you can have a pretty good – uh, guesstimation on some and so that run of coaches like you said and just the the names there that's a little bit daunting but i also know that there's going to be a lot less travel involved for ucf or at least some less travel so that maybe plays in their hands a little bit but yeah that's that's a tough looking schedule yeah so yeah that was so for tcu number five number f- number four yeah. Oh, you're talking about TCU. Yeah. Shoot, my bad. I was looking at UCF. My yeah. bad. Yeah. Uh, so they got Arizona and Cincinnati, or road trip to Cincinnati to close it out. So a couple of the relative newcomers. Um, but, yeah, you're you're right. That stretch there in the first six weeks of uh, UCF, SMU, Kansas, and Houston, and then that second leg of, of Utah Tech, Baylor, Oklahoma State. I mean, that's, that's a good little eight games out of nine weeks that'll, that'll be interesting for them.
2: Yeah, and, again, this is without knowing what the teams are going to be. Look, uh, you know – for all we know, Bay- Baylor could be bad again. Or they could all of a sudden, like,
4: right. all this could work. Uh, and Their you know. trend was down in 20, up, up, up in 21. Looked like they were going to follow it up, but then down in 22. And then when they followed up with last year, that was just yeah. now the trend is over. So yeah. who knows what it is. Yeah.
2: Number four, Houston. You know, look, you talk about coaches. The first two they got to play uh, are Barry Odom, and Brent Venables. So that's, that's pretty good right there. Uh, look, they lost to Rice last year and they, they play them obviously. Then here's the, the run of coaches they have Matt Campbell, Sonny Dykes, by, uh, Lance Lipold Whittingham climbing back to back to back to back. That is a sledgehammer of coaches, especially that, that's my word, not yours. Yeah, especially in particular after the buy for them when they get Kansas, Utah, Kansas State back to back to back for a team that's going to be in the first year of a head coach under Willie Fritz. That is a really tough stretch between the buys.
5: Yeah, I'm excited, though, to see Houston with a change at the top. I didn't mind Dana Holgerson just in general, following the guy and and watching him. But I know when he's the head coach of your program, it's a little bit different. And so he, yeah, seemingly worn out his welcome down there in H-Town. And so a lot of excitement about Willie Fritz and what he can do. And obviously the man's got some skins on the wall. And now he's got a bit more to uh, play with in terms of resources and location and and things like that, being back in the state of Texas. Not that New Orleans was a bad spot, but, uh, you know, being back in Houston is a – is a big deal, I think, with all the familiarity that he has and the options that they'll have down there. So yeah, uh, that's a, it's a fun schedule for year one for Willie Fritz. So I'm very excited to see how quickly he can get that thing strumming along. Yeah. Number three. Iowa State. This one's different because they
2: have both their buys are earlier in that their first buy is week number three. Uh, they're the only school that has that uh, in week number three. And, look, they play Iowa right before it, so that's probably good because that game is usually really, really physical. Uh, it's a huge rivalry game. And, look, that's, a, that's one that they don't usually come out unscathed uh, no matter how uh, good or bad anyone's offense is. Uh, then what really sticks out to me is even after that first buy, you know Arkansas State, Houston, Baylor, not teams you really know a lot about. At West Virginia is going to be tough. UCF could be tough there, but that's in Ames. Then the second buy, it's Tech, Kansas, Cincinnati, Utah, and Kansas State. But the four out of five of those to close the season again, not knowing what Cincinnati is going to be next year at all, but just assuming that. Four out of five teams last year were in bowl games, and three of those teams in the last couple of years have been very, very good. That is a very tough stretch to end the end the run for Matt Campbell
5: in the season. I mean, based off last year, that first part of the schedule, uh, they should start off pretty well, although I was always a coin flip there with that game. But, yeah, I mean, really the attractive part of that schedule is that third leg of – Uh, Those five games to close the season. I don't know that you love having a bye in week three after Iowa, but it does lead you into um, the fact that you're going to have another bye. I mean, that's that's great. That takes away from it and makes it less painful that you're having one that early, week three, but – um yeah that's that's weird and that does help lead to five straight games to close the season now they won't be alone in that but most teams have their bye in either the first or second week of November so they'll be going straight through and we'll see what kind of shape they're in health wise but if they're shaped up pretty well um that's going to be a potential gauntlet but they should also be in pretty good shape I would think I mean going to Morgantown UCF I mean we'll see on some of those but I don't like really I mean it's feel like Iowa State can't pull those things off. So, really, the the big question marks all come in that last five-week stretch. Uh, And if Cincinnati's good, then that throws a lot of things for a loop because I think everybody's just kind of defaulting and thinking that they're not going to be that – that great, just based on last year, but if they're they 're feisty and good, then that could uh, really make things even that much uh, tougher for everybody
2: yeah, the transfer portal changes how you can prognosticate yeah. things because you don 't know who they 've picked up and gotten rid of that 's like changed the whole team dynamic to take a team that wasn 't very good to one that look they don 't a team like cincinnati doesn 't have to be nine and three to be. Dangerous if right. they're six and six, they can be dangerous based on last year because they're going to get more wins than they did. So, inherently, they're more dangerous than they were a year before. You just hope you're not one of the teams that gets caught in the improvement of Cincinnati or, or a team like that. Same with Baylor, like you don't know, we don't know what they're going to be, yeah, but you don't want to be one of the teams that's like, oh, this team won three games last year, now they've won seven, we're one of the four that they used to improve. Like, that's that's where you don't want to be. Number two, BYU now. Uh, start the season on the road at SMU on a Friday, uh, which is going to be a tough place to play. Uh, at Wyoming, which we've seen can be a black hole for some people uh, when, the, when they go there. Uh, Kansas State at home, but that's not a team you ever really are thrilled about coming in because of the way they play. Uh, they come here to Baylor where they lost the last time they were here, but we'll see about that. It's after the bye that, that, that jumps out at me. Uh, you've got Noah Fafita at Arizona. You've got Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State and a team with Ollie Gordon that's going to come right at you. And then at UCF and KJ Jefferson before finishing out with Arizona, Kansas State, uh, or I'm sorry, Utah, Kansas, Arizona State, and Houston. Now, those last two are kind of, you know, ah, uh, but at Utah, Kansas, those are going to be tough. And where I don't want to play Arizona State in Jaden Rashad's second year is probably late in the year. If they start to gel as a team and get confident with some of the players that Kenny Dillingham has brought in there, I would rather play Arizona State early in the season in September and not want to play them in November because if you're worried about the upset specials late in the year, I would think Arizona State could be a team that, in Kenny Dillingham's second year, weeks 9, 10, 11, and 12 could jump up and bite you.
5: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, We'll see on that. I mean, they've got some potential, but I'm not – buying into that just yet. I mean, but you do have to leave room for that possibility. Um, I guess that's better to cross that bridge when we get there because that's so late in the year. That's so far from now. But looking at it on paper, you aren't that worried about it, quite frankly, if you're BYU, even Mm -hmm. though it's in Tempe. So, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that second half of the schedule just depend heavily on how the first half of it started out and how many games you're trying to win to just get to a bowl game uh, after not making one last year after starting off so well. So you definitely want to avoid that. But if they start off well this year, I think it sets up relatively okay for them. I mean, Utah is a game you'd say right now, you'd go, that's a loss. Um, you'd say Kansas, you'd probably say that's a loss. But uh, a lot of these other ones, uh, Oklahoma State, I'd probably say that's a loss. But outside of that, in that second half of the schedule, I mean, you never really know because you don't quite, again, know what you're getting. But that first half a schedule at SMU, uh, at Wyoming, K-State at Baylor, three road games in your first five, uh, that will – be a stretch where you're going to start off 1-0 and because you're going to beat Southern Illinois. But if you're not freaking careful, man, you go in that first bye, we get like 1-4, um, which would be insane, but that's entirely possible. So, yeah, that's uh, going to be interesting to watch those first few weeks. And number one for the second year in a row, West Virginia.
2: And that is due in large part because there are only two uh, non-conference games in the entire Big uh, 12 schedule Well, I mean, and feel how you want to about Mississippi State. I'm not trying to, to dog them, uh, or Nebraska. Again, we're, we're still seeing, but the two best non-conference games are at Oklahoma for Houston and Penn State at home for West Virginia. Like those are the two kind of jewel games of the, of the Big 12 non-con schedule. So West Virginia starts out with Penn State. Look, they have, they're at Pitt, like that rivalry is back and it'll be, you know, they won it last year. Um, and, and more power to them, but you kind of never know how that that game's going to go. Kansas, then the bye at Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Kansas State, at Arizona, at Cincinnati, Baylor, UCF, and Tech to end the season. So of their entire schedule, they only play um, – Four teams that weren't bowl teams last year. All the rest is really, really good. You've got some really good quarterbacks in that stretch. Uh, when you talk about Fafita and Daniels, potentially, uh, KJ Jefferson, Baron Morton, uh, Avery Johnson, all of that on the schedule there. Plus, they got to play Ollie Gordon. Uh, and they've got to deal with Penn State right off the bat. So, a super tough schedule and a rivalry game that is unpredictable every single year, every single time they play it.
3: Worked
5: out okay last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, for all the talk about how tough it was, they managed that just fine and won, what, eight games and all was said and done, mm-hmm. uh, I believe. I double-check on that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, Penn State at the very beginning will be one of, if not the best, non-con games for sure. And uh, like you said, Pittsburgh's always a, a rivalry a game of interest, and so that one will have some extra heat on it as well. Um, so, yeah, they'll be pretty well tested, I would think, in the first three weeks of the season heading into Big 12 play. But um, – yeah, that's uh that's a team that's got a lot of confidence I think going in. I don't know how hot the seat is for Neil Brown this year because last year he was clearly coaching for his job, you know, Pretty much it felt like week to week, uh, almost. Not that he was going to get fired midseason, but I I don't know. If things had gone off the rails pretty badly, maybe he would have just because the heat was turned up so hot. Now it's died down a little bit, uh, and I don't know what the expectations are except for that they expect to be better because a lot of those guys are coming back. So, yeah, very intrigued by those first couple of non-con games, and I think that'll be able to let us kind of reset our expectations for then what to anticipate from – the Mountaineers when Big Twelve play hits. But yeah, that's that's definitely one of the teams that you've got to throw in there when you're talking about contenders. Um I think that's only fair and it's it's unfair to to leave them out based on what we saw last year. I am
4: now getting a headache thinking about having to do the Big Twelve media poll. I I, I don't even want to think about it. But West Virginia could be digging ditches. West Virginia I screwed you <laughs> yeah. last year. Let's Absolutely. go pave roads. Absolutely. Uh all right. Uh, so thanks to Jack McKenzie. Also, Emery Winter, who's working on 365 Sports for the best segments and interviews that we do every single weeknight, thanks to our sponsor uh, all across the board. From the time we say hello at 3 o'clock when Garrett hits the open until we say goodnight. Also, Garrett Ross, great stuff as always. Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, and I'm David Smoke. Thank you for those in the chat, the the, the text line. Had a couple of those came in today. And those who listen and or You'd maybe watch on Sikkim 365 app. I don't mention that one enough. Until tomorrow, we'll be back. Paul's triple option at 1. Also tomorrow at 3, this show. Still more from Big 12 analysts and maybe AFCA president Craig Bull, former Wyoming coach. I'm David Smo Good night.
1: Right here in Central Texas, we're open to support you while lowering the cost of health care bills. When you need an MRI, ask your doctor for an ideal MRI. Visit us at idealmri.com or call us at 833-IDEAL-MRI.